2: No purchase necessary. group. Void by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, this is Dan Gilbazan, and you're listening to the GeekCast Radio Network.
0: Jazz here, and I am so digging the GeekCast Radio Network.
3: Cliff jumper, commence countdown. Five, four, three, two. Now, ToyCast, oh yes, listen in to the only toy podcast you will ever need.
4: Hello and welcome to an all new generation of ToyCast as we get the origins of any and all toy fans that we can. I'm of course TFG and Mike and joining me is Josh the Floor Burger, hello
2: sir. Hey! Hey! Floor Burger is in the grill. There you go. Today's guest is a...
4: Little Mermaid-loving, Teddy Ruxpin-talking, puppet-creating, toy enthusiast who at this point has that old toy smell. <laughs> it is Mr. Jason DeVall!
5: <laughs> I do smell at my age, this is true. <laughs> I, I,
4: Damn it! You've made me cry twice in in the last decade. I had to work in TNTS somewhere, so yeah, I, did I it as Tnos.
5: Yeah, I know. It's uh, <laughs> it's been a it's been a wild ride, man. It's been uh, it's it's yes. been fun. Yes, it has. Obviously, Jason is, created
4: along with Dave Draper, Toy World Order, Dave and Duval's Toys and Collectibles, which is still going. Yes.
5: So uh, there is that. That new, that new toy smell with uh, Pixel Dan Danerly. Mm-hmm. Uh, co-created Pop Culture Network with a whole gaggle of people. Mm-hmm. Been, I've been around the block. I've been used and abused. Uh-huh.
4: Yep. Hey, at least I didn't call you a pink ranger this time.
2: That's true. <laughs> that's that's true. This is true. <laughs> but but to be fair, what's wrong with being a pink ranger? Oh, well, there's nothing these, wrong with these days. It. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's just put it this way: if I had a flying pterodactyl. Mm. and a bow and arrow that I could pull out of thin air, I'd be be down. That's true. I'd wear pink for that. That's true.
4: I would, too. I'd be like, yeah. So Kevin Costner in Power Rangers as the Waterworld character. Got
2: it. (laughs) All right, Josh, take it away with the first five questions. Okay, we're going to take you back way, way back on this first question. Way, way, way back. So what is or was the first toy you remember having as a kid. So it would have been
5: 1980, late 83. I was in a Kmart with my grandfather here in Springfield, and I remember him telling me you can get two toys, so go pick something out. And there was an in cap, and on the end cap, there was nothing but He-Man and Skeletor figures, uh, much much like today's uh, current retail situation where there's <laughs> nothing but He-Man and Skeletor. But back in 83... He-Man! Oh! He-Man and Skeletor were the only two figures you could find right away, and then they slowly, like, you know, over the next couple of months back then, before 84, the Christmas season, uh, they added a bunch more. But uh, He-Man and Skeletor were the first two figures I ever owned, um, I ever remember getting. Uh, I have pictures of me getting toys at an earlier age, but He-Man and Skeletor are the two that I vividly remember holding both of them in my hand and my grandfather buying them for me.
2: Well, that's that that's incredible. I mean I I think when that came out there was just so much about those toys that I, I think I'd still buy them now. I I mean I did just recently buy He Man and Skeletor a couple yeah yeah about a year ago now. So you you mentioned um you know you, you had a supportive adult who was with you during that time. Was there a particular adult who was supportive of you playing with toys as a kid? Was there anybody who was unsupportive?
5: No, I, I don't well so it's it's I had a I'm sure, just like many people i I had a, a, a i was you know born to a single mother. um she was not married. she had me when she was twenty four I just turned forty four so she just turned sixty four this year but um she had me when she was twenty four um you know she was living with my my grandparents, her parents uh, and her little sister um, eventually she you know she she got married to my then stepfather um I, as a kid, no, I didn't really never had any. Um, anybody really trying to like nudge me away from toys i mean in, in the 80s you know that was that was an acceptable thing for kids you know we didn't have internet we didn't have um we didn't we we had cable but we didn't have like you know um before the nes came out we really didn't have a whole lot of great video games to play so you weren't wasting time you were outside playing with your friends or playing you know action figures on somebody's porch or in the backyard or you know, playing with mask toys in a sandbox like, you know, it, it's as I got older, though, it became more of my stepfather trying to push me to like, you know, trying to get me to fix cars and do all this stuff. And he didn't understand why, you know, I wanted to read comic books and play with, you know, collect toys. And um, uh, I wasn't a great looking kid growing up, so I never really had a girlfriend until, you know, late into my teen years. And, you know, for the longest time. He was like, oh, I always thought you were gay. I'm like, oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. That's uh, it's always great to hear from somebody that's uh, raised you most of your life. Cool. Thank you. I don't know where you got that. I've never given off that vibe, but awesome. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it was just the way he presented it to me that I was like, oh, okay then. Well, screw you too, I guess. <laughs>
2: Well, and I think we'll speak to that a little bit later in a later question sure. in regards to what toys sort of mean to our generation versus the previous generation. Um, but but that I, I think we've all dealt with that one adult who's like, why are you still interested in these childlike things? Be more like me. Be more yeah. of an asshole like me, please. Yeah, pretty Thank much. You, but that's, yeah, I, that's what my stepfather was like.
5: He, yeah. I, he loved my mother. They got along for 17 years, um, and he just he, – he never – He raised daughters like before he married my mother. He had another marriage. He had three daughters. Didn't know how to deal with a son, especially didn't know how to deal with a son who didn't want to do anything with cars or construction or, you know, this is the stuff that he did in his you know, spare time. And I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. I just want to watch movies and and hang out and play with my toys and read these comic books.
2: And it's always such a challenge because sometimes adults really see the behavior of their children as a reflection on them. So – in a weird sort of way even though he was really bad at it that's him trying to say hey i'm trying to connect with you but i he, he obviously didn't figure it out
5: well but but he never that's the thing though is is i got older and the more i talked to my mother he never really tried to connect with me that's that's the difference oh, okay. like my my stepfather never went out of his way to try to like try to have some kind of connection with me um, he and I were always, especially as I got older uh in my teenage years and stuff, I was never a bad kid. Like my, my mother would even tell you, I never really gave them any problems, you know, but my stepfather and I would butt heads because, you know, I would forget to take the trash out and I'd had to go to work and I'd come home from work without taking the trash out. And instead of him just being pissed off and take the trash out, he literally would walk downstairs, take the trash bag, cut it open and dump
2: it on my bed. Okay, so that is yeah. what we call a unhealthy adult behavior.
5: Yes, very much so.
2: Um, uh, yeah, he, so, he cut
5: the cut the power cord on my television one time on a TV I bought with my own money. He just went downstairs wow. and cut the power cord. Yeah, it's it's so, um, it's pretty crazy. I I, I, I don't want to say that I had a, a super insane like childhood and and teenage years. I really didn't, but it was. Moments like that, like my mom would defend me because she's like, You didn't do anything. Why are you being such a dick? Um, but it's it just, it was a really weird, it was a really weird uh, person for me to grow up around.
2: And I, I'm really sorry to hear that. I mean, that's, that's really, oh, no, 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 I
5: mean, I, and I appreciate it, but, no, but no, 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 I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. Like, that's not, not, that's not the point of telling these tales. It's just like, this, this is to give you a better idea of who I am and why I ended up being the way I am to a degree because mm-hmm. it was like, um a lot of it was just was like, well, I don't I don't really want to connect with you either, old man. So cool.
2: <laughs> you know, and and I, I do think that sometimes I know for me to a degree, part of my collecting and even this continued fascination with toys and comic books and all that stuff is almost in. Would you say it's a little bit in defiance of.
5: No, not it's not it's not so much in defiance. Um, I don't know where your questions are going to lead, so I I don't know how much all sorts
2: of places I'm going off right now.
5: Um, I I don't think it it that's not what defined like my collecting. It was it was a number of things because there was a number of years uh, into you know as I got to be I don't know thirteen fourteen years old, um, and into high school, you know, I got more into reading. I got into reading horror novels and. And, you know, started going to the movies a lot, and I didn't – toys were – I still had toys, but by that point, by the time I had turned 13, I had lost everything um, that I owned toy-wise in a flood downstairs in the basement we lived in. Um, yeah. The sub-pump backed up, and, you know, it was water from floor to ceiling downstairs, and everything I had down there, Sectars, Masters of the Universe, G.I. Joe, my Transformers, GoBots, all of it, just – it was ruined, you know. Uh, Sectars high playset that, just, just destroyed – um, you know, I, I had a lot of stuff and it was all gone. I still had some stuff upstairs, but, um, it was mostly like Ninja Turtles, stuff like that, that was newer. Um, but I, I'd kind of stopped dealing with toys at that point, got more into horror novels and movies and, and reading, um, comic books got, became really big, uh, right around that time. Cause death of Superman happened around that time, 93, yeah. 94. And, uh, I, I started buying comic books cause the comic book store I was going to, Um, subscribers got all their comics half off. So it was like you were buying, you know, for 30 bucks a week, you were buying this ridiculous stack of comics. So uh, I was buying pretty much everything on the shelf at that point. So
2: So quite a small shift because you did mention um, you lost a lot of toys in a flood. Yeah. And you, you listed off a pretty good who's who of toys at the time. But in terms of the types of toys to play with, what were some of your favorites to play with? I loved I loved G.I. Joe
5: when I was younger. Uh, so, my mom, so my mom worked at the mall here in Springfield, White Oaks Mall, which is still around, surprisingly. It's still in business, which is crazy to me. But she worked um, next door to, at the time, was uh, Circus World. Because there was a Circus World, and then right above it on the next level was the KV Toys. So she worked right next door to the Circus World, and she would – Every year for my birthday, for Christmas, she literally would go into those stores and buy whole lines of stuff because it would be clearance out by that point. Um, you know, back then they would clearance stuff out real quick. So I, I got a wide array of of a lot of fun stuff. You know, Chuck Norris, Crowded Commandos were always a lot of fun to me. Sectars were I loved Sectars. Uh, it's a line that I, I regret not collecting. Uh, you know, not getting into the full line to collect them you know, seven, eight years ago. Cause now they're just, they're too pricey to even think about at this point. Um, you know, I, I had a lot of fun stuff that, that was really cool. But yeah. Sectars, Joe's, Joe's played a big part of that in my childhood. Cause I had a, uh, a neighbor friend who was four years younger than me. Um, I was eight, he was four and we played the snot out of GI Joe's cause he got every GI Joe that came out like every year. His parents were, were rich for the neighborhood and they bought him so much stuff.
2: There's always that one kid in the neighborhood who had the best of the best.
5: Yes, lady. yes, yeah. very much so.
2: Um, so again, we kind of went through a nice list. You mentioned a lot of stuff. Was there any particular toy that stood out more than any others? Were there any that you felt are the most memorable? I think we all have those on our shelf currently, but for you, what was it? Castle Grayskull
5: was memorable to me. I got it the, you know, I got it for Christmas the year it came out. Um, so that that holds a strong place in my heart um as a a very strong memory the sectars line the whole line you know i mean it was it was it was unique i don't know if the i don't know if boglins had come out by the time sectars had come out or boglins followed but i remember sectars being super unique because they were hand puppets basically all the insects were hand puppets and that was amazing to me i thought that was the coolest thing as a kid um you know, anything to do, much like uh, our, our buddy Pixel Dan, anything to do with slime when I was a kid was huge. Mm. I loved slime toys. Uh, not so much now because I'm like, eh, that stuff's messy. I don't want to mess with anymore. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff was uh, is, is what uh, I have the most memory of. Chuck, like I guess I mentioned Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. Like I said, my mom got whole lines of stuff on clearance, and Chuck Norris was one of those lines. And I had the car. I had every figure um, all in, you know, in boom, you know, one Christmas, here's everything. And you're like, well, this is the greatest thing ever. Um, so yeah, that's the, that line holds a really special place, but those are the memories I have the most about that stuff is, is, is having those, um, you know, I mean, GI Joe, the, the, not the mauler, but the, uh, the green tank. And I can never remember its name, the motorized one. They released the tank? first one. No, the very first G.I. Joe tank they released, it was motorized, it was a Joe vehicle, it was an actual tank. Um, mm. I cannot remember the name. It's not the Mauler. M- Mobat? Yeah, it might yeah, it might be the Mobat.
2: The motorized um, battle yes, yeah,
5: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I got that for, you know, for Christmas one year and I loved it the heck out of that thing until it broke.
2: <laughs> so to kind of connect to that as well we talked a lot of, about a wide variety of different items just a moment ago. And I've been in your basement and you have a ton of stuff. Yes. But if you had to provide a label, would you prefer the label of action figures, dolls or toys or other labels when you're referring to primarily the stuff on your shelves at the far end of your basement, I guess we could say. I just,
5: I just refer to myself as a toy collector. Um, okay. Um, you know, and, and, uh, people always ask me what kind of toys and i tell them it's everything it's boys it's boy stuff it's girls stuff it's stuffed animals it's disney it's you know it's 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 pvc it's it's smurf like stuff like it's it's just this massive array of adhd interests that you could ever have like <laughs> it's like ooh, new shiny thing let's get all of that
2: so you kind of just answered uh, this other sort of pocket question that we had sure, sure. Uh, of how would you describe your collecting style and i think you know, it's, it's yeah, and it's the ADHD thing is,
5: is is an interesting way to describe it because, <laughs> um, like I said, I didn't start out collecting toys as I got older. It was comic books, and I had you know when I sold my comic collection, I had somewhere between I couldn't tell you if seventeen to twenty three thousand books, something like wow. that. By the time I sold wow. them, um, it was a lot of books, and it wasn't just new stuff or ninety stuff. It was I had bought up a lot of back issues and. And had runs of stuff, and it was it was pretty impressive for you know I was when I sold it I was twenty eight, twenty nine, um, you know, but I, I started as a comic collector and and it it kind of transmorphed into toy collecting uh, and movie posters. I still have I probably have three or four hundred movie posters uh, that no one ever sees because they're just they're rolled up and put away because there's nowhere to put them.
2: I, I do want to point out, Blanchard, I, I do have a Waterworld movie banner poster that mm-hmm. is just waiting to be put up. Um, Duvall has seen it. Um, yes, I have. But It's Duvall, ridiculous. I, I think one of the reasons why <laughs> I sort of... I guess, for lack of a better term, got drawn to Toy World Order, and you and Dave, when I started seeing your collection and your style, you were bringing up toys that I knew but maybe nobody else did. You liked the obscure stuff. You liked yes. you liked the stuff that maybe not everybody appreciated like the island of misfit obscure yeah, yeah. clearance out toys.
5: <laughs> and and a lot of, a lot of that goes back to Danny and I's run on that toy smell because Danny was doing videos before we did that new toy smell and he was doing videos for human.org um like he had done the mini, the mini versions of He-Man and Skeletor at that point. You're talking this was 2007, 2000, uh, seven, eight, seven, nine. 2000 yeah. late 2006, 2007. Oh wow! Uh, and, I, and I remember watching those and going, "These are amazing!" Because he would show them to me, and I was like, "I want to do this. This is cool." Uh, and that's what we got us started. We started making lists of all these toy lines that we knew we loved, and that's where you know the Food Fighters and all that stuff comes from for us. Um, but, yeah, it, it became when we started, you know, that was the thing we wanted to point out. These not the more like we never if you notice that new toy small, I, I don't think we ever did a G.I. Joe episode um, or any like major toy line except for some master stuff. Like there was never I don't think there was a Transformers episode.
4: That's because um, Danny hates Transformers. <laughs>
5: well,
4: he, he, he says that, but
5: uh,
2: don't, <laughs> let him, don't let him fool he, you. He's got he's a, a con that he loves. Yes, uh-huh. he does.
5: Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we wanted to stray away from the more um, widely known stuff and focus on the oddball stuff. And we kind of continued that with that new toy smell, too. But as that new toy smell evolved from what it started out as into what it had become with Dave and I just basically doing videos on whatever the hell we wanted to do um, toy wise, uh, you know, it, it became something much different. And, and Dave and I is and even Danny and I is performance styles like we're not danny these days is himself in those videos like if you've ever both of you have met danny mm-hmm. yeah uh, that what you see in the videos with dan is is what you get 100 in real life and it's not fake that's that's who dan is 24 hours a day seven days a week he is that person um he is that excited to talk about toys he loves it to this day but when we did that new toy small and even when dave and i do toy world order videos like we're not playing ourselves we're playing versions of ourselves since you know danny danny still wrestles i wrestled for you know almost 10 years and we just use that wrestling that the basic idea of a wrestling persona where it's yourself cranked up to 11 and just you know we played this these great versions of ourselves that we just thought were entertaining to us and we figured well somebody else will find it entertaining um That's kind of what Dave and I do these days. You know, somebody left a a message on one of our YouTube videos talking about, you know, uh, you know, um, you guys were great. You know, you guys have always been great. You know, sometimes I wish Dave wasn't so angry. And I'm like, you you realize that we're we've never made it a secret. Like we're not playing ourselves. We're literally playing characters. That's who Dave and I are. Like Dave is not really like that in real life. Yes, Dave is a grump, but he is not (laughs) that grumpy all the time. Dave's not as grumpy as I am. (laughs) he is he's a big dave's got a heart of gold and he mm-hmm. if he if he likes you and he loves you he would do anything for you and he just on camera it's more fun for him to play mm-hmm. the the disgruntled old man to my idiot because it's you know it works so well so yeah,
2: well, yeah it works so well that's the whole point and, yeah. and that chemistry has been absolutely infectious i have to say just I,
5: and and that's not even something that that's fake like dave and i just Love the hell out of each other, and it's yeah. it's so much fun to. So back to the future, <clears throat> huh, Doc Brown? Yes. back and, back and To sit down and like, you know, every week we sit down and talk, and you know, we talk before we we start recording, but uh, you know, on on mic when we we sit down and talk, it's just it's more fun to bust each other's chops and and to discuss these weird things and you know, get off on tangents because it's
2: it's just it's enjoyable for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely speaking of tangents we're gonna get right back into the mm-hmm. scheme of things uh we're, we're gonna have sure. mr uh-huh. mr mr. Blanchard here he's gonna jump back into our script but I love these side questions we've had so far absolutely
4: well we need the history of of Duvall, and we're definitely gonna get the puppets history a little bit later so this
2: is like the oral history <laughs> you know, uh,
4: yeah <laughs> well I mean we spent what two and a half hours with Dave in episode 106 so I mean we need you know, five no uh, i i don't know if duvall can handle five hours of himself sometimes <laughs> no no, <dear> Lord, no. <laughs> good guys or bad guys which toys
5: were your favorites to play with the most i, I liked both of them i it's a, i know it's a cop-out question but it's not like i i preferred one over the other like i always thought like with Masters, I always thought the villains were way cooler than the heroes, but I loved the heroes because I loved characters like Ram Man and Moss Man. But I loved the hell out of Stinkor and like Terrorclaw Skeletor was always amazing to me as a kid. Um, you know, the Battle Armor figures were great. Uh, I, the Joes and Cobras, I, they they always we always had like you know, line jumpers where they'd be like, I'm going to be Cobra today. So I, I never really mm-hmm. had like a, a strong preference of, oh, I like the good guys. Don't buy me the bad guys. Cause to me, that wasn't how you played back then. Like you had to have bad guys to fight the good guys. So you had to get both of them. So you learn to appreciate both, uh,
2: you know, both, both avenues there. Yeah, Absolutely. Did you keep the bad guy like so? I, I remember bringing him up in a previous one for me. Uh, did you keep the bad guys at an evil pl- even playing field, or did you sometimes like some kids have more good guys than bad guys? The bad uh, guys had to be I, overpowered. I think it always
5: depended. It depended on what we were playing. You know, the Joes always outnumbered the Cobras, um, so the Joes were always going to win. Um, like, when you played Voltron, like, uh, I don't know, you couldn't do a whole lot, so you had to find other things mm-hmm. to stand in for monsters for Voltron, because they didn't make big monsters for the Panache Place Voltron stuff, so you just had the little figures, and it's like, alright, well, fine, um, here, here's a, you know, <laughs> here's, a, here's a big, uh, giant robotic robot that can be his villain now, so. Voltron can fight the Decepticons any day, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a, there, back then before trypticon There wasn't a Septicon big enough to deal with Voltron, because <laughs> the Panache plays Voltron, and even the Matchbox Voltron is huge. What about Devastator? Mm. The Devastator's too small, even next to the Matchbox Voltron, he's still. Wow! Tiny. Damn. All right.
4: You mentioned earlier that Castle Grayskull was your favorite playset. So, what is or was your <laughs> favorite toy vehicle?
2: Uh,
5: I think if I had to go to a favorite toy vehicle, it would probably be Chuck Norris, Karate Commandos, his Karate Corvette. Um, yes. I, I still love the hell out of that thing. I think it's still, it's a fascinating piece. I have seen the prototype for that up close, uh, which is kind of cool to, you know, cause it's, I mean, it's pretty much the same thing, but still, it's just like to have the prototype, like right there in front of you was neat. Uh, but I, I love the hell out of that car. I think it's it's still just a ridiculously stupid vehicle, and I love the heck out of it. Blades come out the side and the front. <laughs> freaking ninja stars can be flipped off the back. It's so freaking cool. I actually think. <laughs> did you get that at a Kane County? Um, you know, I don't remember. I know I've got the box for it, so I may have. I, I bought it boxed and opened it.
2: There was a Kane County that I feel like that I was at. I saw it walked past it a few times, finally decided to make the jump on it, and it was gone. Yeah. And then I feel like you posted that you got it in one of your haul videos or something. It's
5: possible <laughs> I'd have to go back, because if you think about how many haul videos I did for King County over the years, it's like, I don't know which one that would be in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, I mean, we don't need to track it down, but I'm just like, no, I want to blame the ball for something. It's, it's very possible. It was either King County or it was a Toy Man, but I, I'm pretty sure it was King County, and I'm pretty sure I didn't spend more than 20 bucks on it.
2: Yep, wow. That's, that's why Honestly, I finally... <laughs> Finally made the decision. <laughs> so you figure it's like, you
5: know, that was probably uh, seven years ago, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Sounds right, feels right. Yeah, yeah. So the prices back then were super low. Now, if you tried to buy one of those in box, you're not going to buy it for twenty bucks. I tell you that much. Nope, not at all. Did
4: you and your friends ever pretend with your toys that you had? By this I mean, did you say, "I'm going to be this toy" and "I'm going to be that toy" and whatever?
5: You know, I don't I don't recall 100%. I don't recall ever – I remember more my friend Daryl and I playing superheroes and like – it's not a toy story so much. But, you know, making costumes for ourselves and then pretending like, you know, we're, we're playing in the backyard and we jump on the clothesline and swing from it. And as we land, like mm. we strip our clothes off and underneath our costumes we go fight yeah. stuff. You know, that, that kind of stuff I remember. But when it comes to toys – it was never my toy play pattern was never like I'm going to be this person and you're going to be that person. Like it never, mm. never went that way. It was always just like want to play Joe's. Yeah, let's play Joe's. Cool.
4: What features define a good toy to you? How true does the item feel in comparison to the source material likenesses?
5: You know, it, that's that's a rough question because I think it's, you know, it, while it's very well different for everyone, especially for me, it's like that what. You, I don't think you can really nail down what constitutes, um, as, as a, you know, as a good toy. Like there's so many bad toys out there that are actually really good toys. Um, look at something like food fighters. When food fighters came out, it was a terrible toy line did not sell well. Uh, everyone thought it was dumb and now it's very beloved and very cool. And not because it's nostalgic. People are like, this line is actually really neat. It's way ahead of its. It was way ahead of its time. Um, so I think it's 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 less about, you know, like today with, like, NECA making, you know, or or Super 7 doing these Ultimates figures. Yeah, they're cool, but they don't really constitute a really good toy just because they have all this articulation and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about what – it's more about in the eyes of the beholder. If you look at something and go, that's a really cool toy. I mean, eventually you'll find somebody that, that agrees with you 100% on that fact. As for – what was the second part of the question?
4: It's, you know, does the, uh, how true does the item ah, yes, to yes, feel yes, in yes. comparison uh, to the source material?
5: If we're talking about vintage toys, none of those toys in the old days were nowhere, they, they were nowhere close to being, you know, to being identical to the source material except for one toy line. Uh, and that's Gaper's Filmation Ghostbusters line. That's the only toy line I remember in the 80s. Uh, and maybe Galoob's Inspector Gadget doll that came mm. out, but the the Shaper Filmation Ghost Ghostbusters line, even today you look at it and go, that's one of the most accurately produced toy lines that looks and feels like the animated show. Those characters look exactly like they're supposed to. Um I know people would probably argue with the real Ghostbusters. Well no they they don't though. They don't look anything like their mm-hmm. cartoon counterparts, their mm-hmm. you know um G.I. Joe's, you know, the Joe's came first before the cartoon, so everything was modeled from the toy to the cartoon, so you can't really go that way, you know. uh, Mask was kind of the same way. Pretty much a lot of that stuff was... Yeah, uh, the
4: toys came first, and then the cartoons, yeah.
5: Yeah, yeah. so it was, you know, but Scapers, Filmation, Ghostbusters, you know, that that cartoon came first, and they designed the toy line um, shortly after the cartoon debuted to have that stuff out. It was, you know, they were already working on it, but they worked off um you know all the character models for the show and everything in that everything in there is accurate like mm-hmm. even that ghost command playset is is completely accurate um to what they portrayed in the show for a lot of it. I mean the Skelevator uh, you know the ghost buggy transforms which is you know for an eighty a, a toy from eighty six mm-hmm. um 85, 86 it's that's an amazing accomplishment. That toy is 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 a stunning, stunning piece of art.
4: Yeah. Yeah it is. What does toy packaging have to have to draw you in? So whether you're a kid or an adult, you go into a toy store. Let's say you go into a defunct now defunct toy store, uh, and you look at whatever you're going to look at. What does the packaging have to have? What does it have? To, what does it say to you? I want that.
5: You know, it's weird. I always, I, I loved the. You know, I still love to this day the. Uh, the artwork on vintage toy boxes, the painted artwork, especially the master mm-hmm. stuff, the hand painted like mm-hmm. Earl Norman stuff and all that. This stuff's amazing. But for me as a kid, it wasn't the packaging that grabbed me. It had to be if it was a figure and it was, um, you know, it was it was packaged so you could see the figure. You know, I, I looked at the figure and then I would grab the box or the package and turn around to look at the back to see things in more detail. Like that's how I selected toys when I was younger. It wasn't. The packaging wasn't what grabbed me. It was the actual toy. Like, you know, on G.I. Joe vehicles, you know, the front of the box was usually like uh, a driver and artwork. And then you would flip the box around to see specs on the toy itself. And that's what I wanted to see. I was like, what does it actually look like? Because that's what I want to know.
4: All right. Well, we kind of already know this one. But do you open your toys or do you leave them packaged? If you keep toys packaged, do you have any specific criteria for that?
5: You know, when when Carrie and I moved into this house going on almost 12 years ago now, Mm -hmm. um, I had a bunch of stuff that was meant in package. You know, I had a whole, um, I had a loose and a boxed collection of Brave Star complete. Um, I had a bunch of stuff that was boxed that we kind of, you know, we decorated, we kind of moved stuff around and and made room and I I made the back before the basement was full of stuff. It was just, you know, the smattering of things that that I liked and it looked really cool. Um, Eventually, like I, I wanted to do boxed and loose for everything. And I realized real quick that that, that dream was not going to become a reality uh, because there's just not enough room. So I made the decision to start, I I literally would find vintage packaged items and open them. So I knew I was getting a hundred percent complete uh, best quality piece to to, to display. Um, so I, I open everything. Like if I, you know, I'm sure it, it's going to piss a lot of people off to hear that, but I, I all the vintage toys that I own, probably, well, not all of them, probably 60% of what I own downstairs is stuff that I bought on package, in box, open to display.
2: Which, let that piss people off, but the one thing I well, can I certainly say is it's not uncommon for people who want good collections to do that. I well, did that with several toys
5: and a lot of it was, and a lot of it was, it, it came down to like, uh, for instance, um, I have to, I have to look this up over talking cause I'm like, crap, what the hell's his name? Um, <laughs> in the, in the, in the Kinner swamp thing line, you know, there was, uh, a great line, very short lived, but there was, I noticed as I was buying stuff, you know, you could find most of the figures complete, Um, and you could get them for a decent price, but I kept noticing there was one figure in particular that I never could find complete. I couldn't find the accessory for him. Uh, it was driving me bonkers. Um, I could not for the life of me get him complete. Uh, and it's one of the, uh, one of the villains. God, I still can't find his name.
2: I I know who you're referring to. Um, it has like a little green, like bug pump thing.
5: Yes. Um, um, and that, you know, and that was, that was something.
2: Weed, weed killer. I,
5: yeah, weed killer. Thank you. Um, I looked and looked and looked for weed killer complete, and I could not find him because people the little, the little accessory that he comes with is the most inane, stupid little, just piece of crap. Like it, it doesn't look like anything. I mean, it looks like a bug. A bug pump sprayer, but if you just looked at it and you were like, well, that's garbage, you just throw it away. And I'm pretty sure that's what happened to 90% of these things. They just threw them away because they're like, huh eh. So I had to buy one of those on card to open it to have complete. Um, same thing with uh, with uh, Revels Power Lords. Um, I had to buy a number of those uh, on card to open them because I, I, you couldn't find them complete. You could not find um, you, you just couldn't find certain things for him and it got really frustrating. Like, uh, you know, trying to find PsyDot's accessories were annoying. Um, you know, Ray Goth trying to find his gun. When you see the gun up close and look at it, it literally just like, looks like a chrome piece of plastic. Like it, it does look like a gun, but if you'd ever seen it, you'd have been like, I don't know what that goes to. I need to tossed it. <laughs> so, you know, that was, that was one of those things where it's like, I, I need to buy that on card. Cause I, that's the only way I'm going to get it complete.
2: But you can yeah. also guarantee by buying things on card that you're going to have it in the best condition. It's well, going to be complete. You
5: you can, but not always, you know, when it comes to something like, uh, you know, like uh, Kenner's Robocop line. Uh,
2: oh, oh, that, that, that's, yes, yeah,
5: yes. that stuff all used vac metal. And as it ages, the vac metal just flakes off. Yep. And I had to buy three of the RoboCycles in a box to get, one good one that still had all of the vac metal on it, because when I would open the other two and pull them out, it was the motorcycle, and at the bottom of the bag was just this pile of dust.
2: And I remember you buying one at Kane County, open it up later on, find out it was dust, and that was one that I also almost bought. Yes, but it <laughs> yep. was gone when I came back. <laughs> yep. So I and mean, I there's, found out who got it. There's mm-hmm. this weird dynamic
5: of you almost take a risk at times, especially buying blind box things like that, um, where you can't see the item inside, um, because you run the risk of it being, is it in good shape inside there or has time not been kind? Um, you know, the Chris ice castle is a perfect example of that where people were buying those mint in box, like seven, eight years ago and buying, having to buy the mint in box only to find out when they open it, that it was just shattered. Like it's in a million pieces inside that box because that plastic is so fragile. Um, that you you really don't ever know what you're going to get when you do that. So it becomes a risk, too, of do I do this, or do I just try to find a loose one that is in good shape, you know? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
4: All right, Josh, take it away.
2: Ooh. Technical difficulties. Let's move on, shall we? Question 12, sir. Uh, Mr. Duvall. Yes? If as a kid you were only allowed to choose one toy franchise to collect from, one, and you could get the entire line, which one would you choose and why? Masters of the Universe,
5: just because that's that is the the toy line that, you know, I, I grew up with most, you know, um, that is the one that I remember fondly. Um, I have a deep love for I don't have a deep as a, a passionate love for it as somebody like Eardley does um, or a number of people. But that's the one that I have, you know, that that gives me the best um, the best feelings as an adult was Master Universe. I, I love that line. I still love that line. Um, I still think it's one of the, the, the shining examples of how to produce a toy line
2: for kids. So now as an adult collector, especially looking back, based on what you just said, especially in how retail stores now, we're seeing a greater influx of lines that are blurring that line between vintage and modern. Looking back at about the 30 or 40 years, do you prefer vintage toys or modern toys? We don't have to get into the dictionary definition of vintage, but... Do you prefer <laughs> yeah. vintage or modern toys?
5: I guess it depends on 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 what it is like i I stopped buying modern toys um although I say stopped I didn't really stop I still buy modern transformers um usually g one inspired transformers or stuff that has to do with the animated movie um stuff like the 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 masters universe w w e stuff I bought um but it was if if I had to choose it'd be more it was always more vintage for me because it was more about the hunt um, and and walking down an aisle at a toy show and finding something that you're like, well, that's really cool. i got to own that. Um, so it, it would definitely be vintage. Um, but there are still some modern toys that I still will go out of my way to try to find uh, just because of what they are and what they represent.
2: Which is interesting because a lot of those modern toys, like you said, are – a direct remake or homage to a vintage toy. So it's sort of like you're, you're getting the best of both worlds. Yeah. Okay. Another random side question. I I do want to ask, have you ever been to a toy show where you found something on a table that was vintage, but you didn't know what it was and you decided to buy it just because it was awesome.
5: Honestly, no. And it's because I spent a lot of my teenage years, um, before really the advent of the internet, uh, the internet was there, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what it is today. Um, I would buy every toy book that came out. So Tom, Tomart's action figure encyclopedias. Um, I bought a lot of, uh, a lot of the girl collector books that would come out of the time, like Barbies and stuff like that. Um, GI Joe, you know, the, the stuff on the sixties, Joe line and that um, I did a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of research reading just everything i could get my hands on so there hasn't really been other than the oddball strange like knockoff line there really is not a lot out there that i can't look at and go oh it's from that line um just because of of and and not just that but because now that you know the internet's a thing and and We've done so much research over the years on all of these weird oddball lines that lead you down these rabbit holes to these websites that you find all this other stuff about um, and meeting people. Like I, I, you know, I I really have this 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 knowledge of of toy lines and and um, things related to them to pretty much be able to tell you, oh, yeah, that's from from this or that they did that because of this, you know. And, and that's not you bragging in the least bit. No, not i And I'm
2: saying that very seriously. Like that's not. I I know you, and I know that you are not bragging. You do have that knowledge.
5: Yeah.
2: Uh, a great example is you have a, a fantastic episode of your your podcast where you have like thirty or forty obscure toys that you go through, and I think you knew that most was, of
5: them. That was our three hundredth episode.
2: Two hundred, I think. think. Two hundred, yeah,
5: two hundred. Because you interviewed us for the three hundredth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was the two hundredth. It was me. Dave uh, Pixel Dan and our buddy Dave Gall and I just compiled this list of stuff that they hadn't even heard of that I was like I want to talk about this stuff and, um,
2: and it's really I would argue one of the best episodes you guys ever did because there's just so much content and
5: uh, oh, I know I, I had to add every one of those links to the story and I'm like this sucks why did I do this
2: still a great, a great source if anybody really wants to hear about a, a, a lot of wonderful toys I appreciate um,
5: it it was a lot of fun to do
2: I mean, you've done a lot of great episodes. I think that's one of the best because it's about three hours, also. So it's good for me when I'm driving. But yeah. Um, so th- this is a big question, kind of not even yet in the middle of our questioning. So if we want to break this up into pieces, we can do part one of this answer. But do you feel you're coming to an end of your active collecting? And if so, what signify that phase for you? No. And we can break I, this up into parts if you want.
5: Right. No, I, I think. So I don't know if I'm sure we'll talk about it more in depth later, but, you know, I had made the decision to sell my collection um, and not just like a portion of it, like all of it, save for a handful of stuff that I was keeping that meant something to me personally. Um, The thing is, is that even though I am selling this massive amount of stuff, it's not going to stop me from buying. There's still stuff that I'm looking for. Um, of certain things, you know, Carrie and I, my wife, we still go to antique stores and flea markets and we still love to shop. Like we, you know, a couple weeks after I, I had made this decision to sell this collection, um, we, for our birthday weekend, we went to, uh, some antique malls in El Paso, Illinois, um, just because we hadn't been in a while. And, you know, I, I ended up buying some stuff just cause I was like, you know, mostly I dig through dollar comic book boxes these days to, to add to my licensed comic collection because that's pretty much where my comics have gone is licensed books. So 80s properties, books, masks, G.I. Joe, Transformers, that kind of stuff. Uh, But I don't think there's a part of me that will ever stop collecting because it it becomes... It's not even so much about collecting toys for me. It's, you know, like we said, the the collection is so big, you know. um, At one time, up until about... Two years ago, um, I don't know, Josh, I don't know if you ever saw it, but I had a, a, a ridiculous DVD collection that was probably, I don't know, 800 or 900 discs, with their, which there's people that have way more than I had. But at the time, you know, I'd been buying DVDs since 95, since they started. I remember uh, that. Yeah, you know, I've got, I had this huge collection uh, that I eventually just copied all the discs onto a Plex server that I, that I run and sold everything, you know. I just took them to a store and made you know a stupid amount of money for dvds that i was like all right well that bought me a ps4 and a whole bunch of games
2: (laughs) i I do remember seeing in the room where you have your arcade cabinet yes i think it was there was a there was a decent sized shelf and i remember you telling me that this that was after you had downsized
5: yeah 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 because now Um, it's filled with vhs tapes
2: you know, weirdly, I'm also starting to gather a bunch of VHS tapes, too. So I don't know. I, I think we're both working backwards in some ways.
5: Well, it's it's weird because, like I said, it, it's – the collecting part of me is not going to stop. It, it'll stop it, – it, having the collection downsized to the point where it's going to be will make me pause on a lot of things. If I see something and I go, do I really, really need this? Is this something I want to add? Is this something I, I think that I feel that I need? Um, nine times out of ten, I will probably put it back because I'm like, I don't really need this. It's cool to see. I don't really need to take
2: this. Um, but you'll so still, still text your friends when you, you find the cool things, right? Though. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
6: Okay.
5: Uh, I know Dave. Dave has always been has already been concerned that I'm like going to stop going to toy shows and stuff. And uh, there's a uh, there's a toy man this Sunday, and he's like, you're probably not going to go. And I was like, No, I'll go with you. I was like, We'll be back before like 10 a.m. I'll go. I like we go down there, walk around, and be like, "All right, time to go."
2: <laughs> well, you just promise that you'll help carry anything he needs. Oh yes, always. <laughs>
5: um,
2: so we are downsizing. We are we're kind of dropping stuff down. This is always a fun question. What is one toy you can always play with?
5: Um, honestly, if it, it, one toy that I could always just play with is probably, um. Tycho back when talking toys were big, when Teddy Ruxpin was big, Tycho did a series of three figures for Sesame street. That uh, was big bird, Oscar, the grouch and cookie monster. And the difference is, is much like Teddy and grubby. The three of them can all connect to one another so they can all tell a story together and they all interact with one another. And to me, even to this day, I could put batteries in all three of them, pop a tape in and watch those three perform Uh, no questions asked because it's, to me, it's still one of the most amazingly low tech, awesome things that I've ever seen in my life.
2: And in a weird sort of way, isn't that kind of like being at Chuck E. Cheese back in the day, you have those animatronics, they're at home, you can have your own pizza.
5: Yes and no. Um, you find after a while, like with Teddy Ruxpin stories, you're like, Oh my God, they're all the same story. (laughs) Jesus, make it stop. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, they're, they're fun to have, and, and I've worked on all of them. You know, they that's something that's staying in the collection is all of the talking toys um, because I've physically repaired every one of them myself. Like, they all work because I took them apart, cleaned everything, repaired stuff, and put it all back together.
2: By the way, I, I might have another patient for you. Um, oh, good. But, um, all right. So Wait, a when, of- wait,
4: wait, 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 wait. When did he get his toy medical license? Mm.
5: <laughs> Doctor Duvall.
2: Trying to put myself through school. He made his he made his own medical certification board and certified himself. Yes. <laughs> uh, even though there are always toy lines that people never purchase just because they're not your interest, is there anything that you specifically said no, I am avoiding this, whether it be a toy line or type of character, is there anything that you're just I'm refusing to buy this, go away, throw it away, like pops or something like that.
5: Hey, uh, watch it. G.I. Joe, Star Wars, Barbie, and Cabbage Patch Kids. Uh, Barbie, Barbie, because I just had no interest in it as a collector. I was just like, there's way too much shit. Um, Cabbage Patch Kids, I, I never liked them, even when they came out in the 80s. I was always like, eh. Yeah. Uh, and G.I. Joe and Star Wars, just because as I got older, there's just so much – Star Wars has never really gone down in price. It's always just kept skyrocketing, and I don't want to spend that kind of money for three three-quarter-inch figures that I really didn't enjoy when I was a kid because I really didn't have a lot of Star Wars stuff, even though I was alive during you know, two of those sequels uh, yeah. originally. like I just I didn't have a lot of it. And G.I. Joe, just as you get to become an older collector, you go, there's just too much, and it's too expensive, and I don't want to deal with it. And it takes up too much room. It's just like, no, I'm, I'm good.
2: Is there anything, because with, with Danny... Uh, with all of his He-Man primarily. I know he's also right. got a lot of turtles. Yes. And with Dave, with G.I. Joe and Star Wars, was there any lines that because they focus in them that you're actually like, you know what? I don't need it. I can go visit them <laughs> and see it anytime I want.
5: Not not particularly. Um, you know, Dave and I have always commented to each other that it's it's easiest going to a toy show with the two of us together because neither one of us is really going after the same stuff. Yeah. Um, we can both appreciate each other's stuff, but we're not, like, fighting for the same stuff. Um, Danny and I, sometimes it just depended, like, I would buy turtles every once in a while, but not heavily. You know, I'd buy master stuff when I found it or weapons that I needed for certain figures. But um, it's not really not really ever been any any type of, of thing like that where I'm like, well, I don't need to buy any of that because I can go over there and see it because I, I – even though we had the same interest, like, there's certain things I'm like, well, I I want to own that. I don't care if they have it. I want it, too. After these messages, we'll be right back.
7: With Lucky Land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere.
6: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
8: The Gaming Hipster is my personal podcast in which I take you on a journey through my history of gaming, both new and old. Each month is a new topic show in which I bring you my console memories, give reviews of my
4: favorite video games, and talk with cool guests. People have made cartridges that will actually play Netflix on Nintendo. I was making sure that I got everything, I was writing it all down. They fixed that for the third fake prototype.
8: <laughs> and that's the first time I remember seeing real animated boobs. Find the podcast at geekcastradio.com or on Spotify. You can also hear a deluxe version of The Gaming Hipster at RavingHipster.com or Patreon.com slash MrNeil. For $2 a month, you can hear longer versions of the podcast with after-show segments and stuff too raw for the internet. You also get various topic shows, my commentary podcast, The Big Bad Movie Show, commercial-free geek cast stuff, and more, all at Patreon.com slash MrNeil and RavingHipster.com.
1: What was that universal greeting again? Never mind, I remember ba weep, Grona weep, nitty bong. Hey guys, it's Rodimus Primal, and be sure to check out my YouTube channel.
4: Join me as I have Transformers discussions, retrospectives, toy reviews, and more.
5: You can also follow me on Twitter at Rodimus Primal, as well as Facebook and Instagram at Rodimus Primal Show. Transform and roll out, and be sure to check out my content till all are one.
0: Last big party of the summer, folks.
3: skeleton
4: The Powers of Grayskull series has covered every episode of all of the Masters of the Universe cartoons except for two. Join Optimus Solo and TFG and Mike as they tell tales of Eternia, discover the myths of Etheria, become masters in space, evolve into the Masters of Grayskull, and finally reveal the revelation of Masters of the Universe. We'll also be finding out the origins of how guests got into or out of watching the Masters of the Universe cartoons, and so much more. You can find the podcast at geekcastradio.com and any podcatching client you choose to use. By the power and for the honor of Grayskull, we all have the power. Amen! ToyCast is back. We are talking toys once more here on the GeekCast Radio Network's Toy and Action Figure Podcast. From breaking into the display case to our toy topic talk and the brand new Origins in Toy Collections where we get guests to tell us their toy story of how they got into toy collecting. ToyCast is the only toy podcast you will ever need. Find us on GeekCastRadio.com and any podcatching client you choose to use. Now go forth, transform and transcend your toy collecting today while listening to Toycast.
3: Discover a world of vintage and modern toys that's more than meets the eye with the Triple Takeover Toycast.
5: Hosted by toy writers and photographers Toybox Soapbox, 60 and TF Square One, this informal and chilled out series of discussions cover everything from vintage transformers to mask, diaclone, microman and more, be it nostalgic or current.
1: Whether you're a seasoned collector or a casual robot enthusiast, all are welcome. Triple
3: Takeover Toycast.
4: We brought the entire convention center to the brink of an intergenre geek war. Okay, Michael, if we're going to tackle this podcast thing, we've got to do something really special. It has to be cool, daily, in audio form, and undetectable by radar. Something that screams summer. I know, let's do a Phineas and Ferb review podcast. We'll call it the Podcast Organization Without a Cool Acronym, or PALCA for short.
0: What do you think? I think if we're not careful, Candace is going to bust us.
4: You can find Palka on the GeekCast, Radio Network, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, and all of the other methods you find podcasts.
3: We'll give it the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge!
4: What's wrong?
8: Feeling pixelated? Well, excuse me, princess. Hi, this is TV's Mr. Neil. Join Blanchard and me as we sit down to watch some... <clears throat> classic video game-based cartoons. Super Mario Brothers, Sonic, Zelda, Captain N, and more. A total of nine cartoons spanning 100 episodes. You can check out Pixels in the Animation on the GeekCast Radio Network at geekcastradio.com.
2: Oh, hey! I got something!
4: Since 2009, we have been the premier cartoon podcast here at the GeekCast Radio Network. We are ToonCast. From taking you beyond the cartoons we grew up with to seasonal saucy Toon Talk, and now we get the origins of Toonsters everywhere as we ask guests 30 questions about their cartoon watching experiences, plus so much more. ToonCast is back. Join me, Tf2 and Mike, and the rest of the GCR and crew as we give you all the tune talk you will ever need, only on the GCRN. And wherever you consume your podcasts, we are beyond good, beyond evil, beyond your wildest imagination. We are all tunes, all the time, here on TuneCast. Yeah.
3: Ah. Welcome to my throne room future tales the Beast Unleashed podcast is over not gone you can hear more of this great podcast discussing all the episodes of Beast Wars and Beast Machines on geekcastradio.com we include voice actor and writer interviews with stellar hosting by Steve, Mike and Michael head on over to iTunes or the net or else I will send you my vehicons to extract your spark and destroy you (laughs) yes
7: Hi, my name is Dr. Andrea Lenamendi, clinical psychologist.
1: And I'm Brian Ward, nerd, and we
0: want to invite you to listen to our new podcast, The Arkham Sessions.
7: It's a podcast dedicated to the
2: fun and geeky analysis of Batman the Animated Series, episode by episode. We pay tribute to the writers and the stories of the animated series.
7: While also exploring the very real psychology behind Gotham's rogues. And
2: maybe even its heroes. All of this and more each week on the Arkham Sessions
7: at UnderTheMaskOnline.com.
8: and the superhero webcomic. Decian's got superhero antics and sexy girls. For action, comedy, mayhem, and more, read it now at Decian.com. D-A-S-I-E-N.com.
6: Hi, I'm Terry Smith,
4: the host of Music Talks, the podcast where I ask guests a simple but beguiling question. Choose a song from each decade of your life and tell me why these songs mean so much to you. Guests and listeners love this format. And if you want to find out why, then take a listen at musictalkspod.buzzsprout.com or use your favorite podcast app. Just search on Music Talks Terry Smith. If you'd like to be a guest on the show and Talk to me. Then send me a tweet at musictalkspod. I look forward to doing some music talking soon.
3: Ah, brave new world that has such putzes in it.
0: You know, kids, a lot has changed
3: while your old Uncle Joker's been away. New Gotham, new rules... Even a new
1: Batman.
5: It isn't 65 years in the future, but Legends of the
2: Dark Knight has gone beyond. Batman Beyond, that is.
0: Ah, the new boy. Ears are too long and I miss the cape. But not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. Join Steve and Mike as they delve into the remaining episodes of the podcast,
5: where they'll cover Batman Beyond, products, games, and more. Check it
3: out
0: only on GeekCastRadio.com. Well, I am shocked and dismayed. Well, now you can't be both. You be shocked, I'll be dismayed.
4: Coming in 2016, Steve Megachon and myself, TF2 and Mike, bring you a brand new TV review show. Welcome to Podcaster Meets World. That's right, we're launching a Boy and Girl Meets World review podcast here on the GCRN. It'll take us 70 episodes of the podcast to review all 158 episodes of Boy Meets World. After that, we will tackle Girl Meets World. You can find Podcaster Meets World on GeekcastRadio.com and iTunes, starting late summer, early fall, 2016. So come on and walk through the world with us.
6: I love the Feeney call.
0: By the power of Grey Skull, I command the Jaw Bridge. Open! we now return to the
4: transformers all right folks we are back here on Toycast, and of course because josh is out of his mind tonight he did forget one question are there any toys in the past or currently that you wish you hadn't bought them or are there any toys that you may have sold that you regret letting them go
5: you know it's weird i don't regret selling anything um the one toys that i regret buying that i don't have anymore i got rid of um, immediately after we did the episode, I think even on the episode, I'm like, I gave them to Danny and I was like, these are yours. I don't ever want to see these toys again. <laughs> uh, we did it. I bought the whole run of Tales from the Crypt Keeper toys uh, for really that new that. toy small episode. And we did that episode and they were the most disappointing toys I have ever seen in my life. And when we were done with that review, I literally on camera slid them to Danny. I'm like, they're yours now. Cause I don't ever want to see these again. <laughs> That's funny. It was just a terrible toy line. Now they're worth all the money, but it was a terrible toy line.
4: Yeah, I mean, toy lines can be terrible and worth a lot because they're terrible.
5: <laughs> yes, exactly.
4: How large or small is your toy collection? Do your toys take up the whole house, or are they relegated to one <coughs> room, shelf, or something like that?
5: So we, so we have, so our house is over fifteen hundred square feet. It's a big house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh has been here. It's 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 a pretty decent size, you know. Uh, I think there's uh what two bedroom two bath uh and they're in a full finished basement well the 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 collection takes up the entire basement like it's it is it takes up all of the basement like there's not a whole lot of room to walk down
6: <laughs>
5: <laughs> so um it is uh it it's 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 rather immense, which is part of the reason why I'm like i, I need he needs to all go because it's just it's so overwhelming now. For a while, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of it was a lot of great memories. But now it's just like you walk down, and you go, "Oh my God, there's too much crap down here."
4: Yeah, and you were, you know, for the last decade or so, at least since I've known you, for the last decade or so, you were producing content based on the toys you had in your basement, or based based on the toys that Danny has in his basement, yes. or Dave has and, in his basement, and you're not really not really really like i remember you used to you used to do weekly videos sometimes so we did you're not really doing that anymore no, so and we you know so we uh,
5: um flea market finds which became collection expansion extravaganza mm-hmm. uh, which was my wife and i show together we stopped doing that show because we literally ran out of room and i'm like i, I don't to <laughs> put all this stuff like it just it became cumbersome like we, we were like I I mean, there's still probably I still probably had three or four episodes that I never finished editing because it just the collection got out of hand and I was like, ah. Oh. So you know, people always ask me about that show, and I'm like, we literally stopped doing it because I don't have any room. Like, there's mm-hmm. nowhere to put anything, so we don't buy the amount of stuff that we once bought at auctions and stuff. You know, we would go to an auction and spend a couple hundred dollars and come home with a ridiculous amount of stuff, mm-hmm. and then wow. do videos on it for like two months. Mm -hmm. but it we we just couldn't do it anymore so it just it became one of those things where it's like um you know that show went by the wayside um dave and i's reviews kind of stopped too because it was just like there's there's too much stuff coming out dave kind of stopped buying a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. i wasn't buying anything new really so it was just like eh, all right well yep how do you keep track of your collection if you do uh I don't for a while there I was starting to for insurance reasons, we started to go through and inventory everything, take pictures of everything um that stopped because we realized there's no way to do this like we just can't it, i was adding stuff to it too fast, and there was just <laughs> there was too much of it, so we we kind of stopped it. I don't have an inventory of it um now you know I, I have an idea of what's down there. I could tell you. If I have something or not, but I don't have like a running spreadsheet. The only thing I have running spreadsheets on, um, I have for a license book for like my kids' books that we collect, I literally have every book that I have listed um mm-hmm. in kind of a in kind of a Word document. So I can pull it up when we're somewhere and flip through the list and find it. Same with my comics. Like I have comics broken down by publisher and then by you know, publisher alphabetically and then comic alphabetically so if I, I could spin through real quick and go do I have this issue yes I do that can go back
4: yeah absolutely. How do you display your toys do you display it with the possibility of others to view it in mind or is it for your own personal viewing?
5: I think it, it became it started out with the idea of other people viewing it um, it quickly became I, I I've got to put this somewhere so you get shoved back here.
4: <laughs> nah. all right josh you get shoved back into the forefront take it away
2: i'm ready to go uh so the all, you have and soon that will be in the past tense you had <laughs> mm-hmm. a massive impressive collection yes something that's inspired something that's been documented something that you've taken hour-long walkthroughs through yes if you could keep only one toy, and I think this applies to a little bit of what we're talking about, if you could only keep one toy from the entire collection, and we're going to limit to one physical object because there's a lot and a lot of different types of things you have, what would it be and why? You had you, you can just grab one.
5: I can just grab one. It would be the uh, 1962 Ideal Ralph, which is one of the um, the first Muppet items produced. Ideal did uh, a series of puppets of Kermit and Ralph, um, and they were the, the earliest form of Muppets um, Muppets products produced, uh, licensed products. So uh, that is uh, that is one of the rarest pieces I have in the collection, and that would be the piece that I would keep.
2: And I've seen that. I've, I've actually seen that, and that's such an amazing piece, because I'm a Muppets fan, too. I love yeah. Muppets beyond I, – I think we have similarly sized Muppets. You have a few pieces I don't have, but – Um, I'm actually going to give you the opportunity to now broaden that. Now that we know the one, we're going to give you the toy box challenge. You're going to get one, we're going to say 18 by 18 by 18 (laughs) size box. So something you would get like HelloFresh or Blue Apron in. Okay. So you get that one box. The only toys you can keep have to fit in that box. So what do you pack into it?
5: Uh, Idea Ralph, Chuck Norris Credit Commandos, um... The characters from Pee-Wee's Playhouse, the figures, um, uh, <laughs> some stuffed animals, probably some shirt tails, um, and Optimus Prime and Megatron.
2: That's not a, a bad selection, actually. I, one of these days, I do want to hear a little bit about your history behind uh, Shirt Tales and, and the Get Along Gang a little bit.
5: I, I mean, I can I can tell you that right now, pretty quick, uh, the, the fascination behind that is that they really, for the cartoons, like Get Along Gang, when you start delving into the merchandise made for that show, for what was a very short-lived show, I think it only ran 13 episodes, um, there is so much merchandise for Get Along Gang, it's not even funny. Like, they literally made a lot of it in that short time, uh, and it's beautiful. They're, they're it's all beautiful. The stuffed animals are beautiful. they all have roller skates, which is awesome. Um, they made little boxed uh, clothed figures, which are great. Um, they made some playsets, which are awesome. Which I have both the playsets. Um, it's just it's a fun line, and the um, the shirt tails. It just it fascinates me. Uh, anything that started American Greetings and became this licensed phenomenon. Uh, Shirt Tales is along that lines. Rainbow Bright is along that lines. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff started with American Greetings and it became something bigger. So, uh, Shirt Tales has always been fascinating to me. And then, while there's a lot of American Greetings Shirt Tales stuff, there's very little licensed Hanna Barbera Shirt Tales stuff. So, that's kind of what does it for me with Shirt Tales is the licensed stuff.
4: Very cool. Very cool. All right. So it's the end all, be all question.
5: Are you a Funko fan? I appreciate what Funko has done for the business. They bring a lot of, um, they have so many licenses for their Funko pops that they get even the most, you know, just non-interested person interested in collecting something. And I think it's Mm -hmm. fascinating. I think it's something the collecting community at large needs more of, um, instead of the more niche thing, uh, pops has been really good. I am not a fan of the Funko pops, even though I own a handful of them. Um, Mm -hmm. I have never been the biggest fan of that line, but I appreciate what it's done. I appreciate, um, I appreciate how they've, they've presented it and how it's, how it's lived this long. Mm.
4: Normally I am not a, like I get the regular size ones, just the normal ones. And they have these, like, six-inch, or, like, they have, um, what is it, is it, it's um, Obelisk and Slifer and, and, oh, what's the other one? Oh, God. They have the three big gods from Yu-Gi-Oh! as six-inch right. ones, and I haven't gotten <laughs> those yet. Yeah. And I usually shy away from those or the larger ones, like the ten-inch jumbo ones. But when they were like, "Yeah, we're doing a ten-inch Soundwave with cassettes for forty dollars, GameStop exclusive," I'm like, "Shut up and take my money." Now, originally, I thought, originally I, I thought that there was just going to be like this, like where his the bottom of his tape deck is on his on his robot mode, right. I thought there were just going to be like two little things where you set the set the cassettes on. Oh no, it opens. Ah uh, yes, literally. I'm like, holy crap! This is the best Funko Pop yeah. Yeah. that they've ever done because,
5: I, you yeah, know, like like I said, I, I appreciate the work that they put into those. I appreciate mm-hmm. the work they put into the Ultimate stuff, but but yeah, just the the pops. I mean, they're they're beautiful. They're they're amazing. Uh, they've got fans like at your like as yourself and mm-hmm. so many others, but. My problem, at least as a collector and as somebody who goes to toy shows, is I've seen so many guys <laughs> that were strictly vintage toy dealers suddenly oh, stop no. selling, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> selling vintage toys and then moved strictly on to Pops because Pops make them more money. And I get it, but it's like, well, that's sad because a lot of these guys had some amazing... Uh, you know, uh, amazing products for vintage toys. And then all of a sudden they just start selling pops. You're like, ah, uh. <laughs> you know, Kane County Toy Show this year was I guarantee you that show was 70 percent pops. Like there was wow. vintage toys there, but it was a lot of Funko Pops and a lot of modern shell bought, you know, store bought merchandise mm-hmm. for the last like year out there. Oh, so wow.
4: Really? You could get toys in 2020? I didn't realize
2: that
5: toy yeah, store yeah. shelves had, yeah. had... That's because stopped. all the de- all the dealers and scalpers have them. That's why. <laughs> uh,
2: I, I'm just going to add in real quick for this Funko question. I've uh-huh. been absolutely silent.
4: Mm-hmm. Good. Stay that way.
5: What was the most money you spent on a toy? Probably the most money that I've spent... Is It was probably the Ghost Command playset for Filmation Ghostbusters. I don't think up until that point, I had spent that much money on any one item in the collection. And that I dished out the money for. Mm. What was the cheapest toy you bought? Honestly, the cheapest toy I bought was... Oh, man. Been so many years ago. But it was probably both of the Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future jets. So... The Phantom, wow. the Phantom Striker, and uh, I don't remember what the bad guys one is called, but um, I bought both of those mint in box at a toy show for five bucks a
2: piece. Wow, that's awesome! And you got into a lot of this collecting before prices really took off. So well, you, the story I
5: always tell is that you know, for those of you who aren't familiar, Pixel Dan and I owned a toy store in two thousand one, two thousand two. And we actually – it was a physical store. It was called Dan and Duvall's Toys and Collectibles, which is where I get Dave and Duvall's Toys and Collectibles because mm-hmm. I always liked that name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny and I run a, ran a brick-and-mortar toy shop. And when we opened that shop, we bought entire runs of Food Fighters on card to put in that store for a buck apiece. We bought on card and loose New Adventures of He-Man figures and vehicles For literally next to nothing. And I bought an entire boxed collection of Brave Star stuff to put in the store to sell for probably less than a hundred bucks. Wow. So, but yeah, I've been buying oddball stuff since then. And yeah, back then, even up until about eight years ago, maybe seven years ago, a lot of that stuff was just super affordable. But it became, it came to the point where you had, um, these guys finishing up collections, GI Joe, Transformers, Star Wars. These guys would finish these collections by everything they could for those lines, and they moved on to the ancillary lines, and that's where the prices started to shoot up. That's why today you see prices for, uh, Centurion drones like people wanting two grand a piece for one of them, and I'm like, holy crap, people, what are you doing?
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna so, go in the corner and just cry over hearing about how much you spent on a case of food fighters
5: yeah, they, were, they were literally a buck a piece Wow because nobody wanted to buy them back then nobody was buying that stuff back then it was all
2: useless junk to people like they yeah. didn't want to buy that I, I do want to point out that a, a food fighter now on the low end is about 80 times what you paid for it
6: yeah
4: I know it's ridiculous. Very, very crazy. Well, you just answered the ancillary question, which was, what was the best deal you ever got on a figure that may yeah. have been worth quite a bit more than you
5: paid? Well, but, and, even back, then, but back then, that stuff wasn't worth more than what we right. paid. Them. We were paying yeah. retail for that stuff back then, which even we were like, because we were buying it for a buck a piece and charging $3 a piece for them on card. Mm. Um, and they never sold. That's the thing. That's where Danny got his entire Food Fighters collection from was because they didn't sold. So Danny just took them all home and opened them. <laughs> and then he got another set from me. Yeah, pretty much.
4: <laughs> we are going to skip question twenty-five because you're not collecting
5: anything right now. Sort of, you're yeah, trying to get rid of the stuff. That's not entirely true, though, Mike. It, it it's there is stuff that I still am actively hunting and buying. Um, like I said, mostly, you know, Transformers. Hasbro keeps reeling me in by doing, you know, Studio Series eighty-six, which I'm mm-hmm. like. I see those and go, you sons of bitches, mm-hmm. stop it. Uh, yeah. You know, the the Transformers, the, the Earthrise stuff, uh, Power of the Prime, like not so much Power of the Prize, but like Combiner Wars was huge. Earthrise, mm-hmm. there's still figures in those waves that I, I'm looking for that I missed. Kingdom, um, there's still stuff I buy because they're doing a lot of G1-inspired stuff in that line. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm buying those. Yeah, if I wasn't
4: strictly Funko in my collecting nowadays and I had the extra cash, I would so get Leader Galvatron and, and Commander-class Rodimus because those toys look just like what they look like in the movie, and the Rodimus is you know, like,
5: Gal- Galvatron, Galvatron not so much since he's not, uh, I don't know, he, he looks a little, uh, a little on the weird side to me a little <laughs> bit. I don't know if they've ever quite done a... Good modern take on G1 Galvatron or on the cartoon version, mm-hmm. uh, but that Rod the, the the Rodimus is is pretty special. Like he's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, he is. All right, Josh, stop playing
4: with your paper and ask him the next question.
2: I'm I'm getting my research prepared. Mm-hmm. Sure you are. Th- this is Deval This is the show. Mm-hmm. So I I'm making sure. Actually, I was just taking <laughs> a toy out of a bag.
4: Uh-huh. Yeah, you're fired. You're not going to be on the Pixel Dan episode. You got pixel, Dan. Potentially, maybe. I don't know. Oh,
2: OK. <laughs> hey, hey, the ball. So we, we, we do know the answer to this question. I, I'm going to try to evolve it in the midst of me asking it. So the, the question is, do you visit toy shows or conventions? I'm, I'm going to change this question a little bit. When you have visited toy shows, we know you do. I've seen you with them. Do you have a strategy or methodology when you go to these shows? Do you bring a certain amount of money knowing what you're searching for? Or do you like just finding out what happens?
5: Usually, like Kane County, for instance, I would go with $200. And I wouldn't go with anything in mind that I was looking for. And we literally would walk the aisles. And I would see what everybody has. And there would be some stuff that I would buy immediately, some stuff I might come back for. Some stuff I would kind of look at and go, eh, I don't really need that and keep going. Um, so there's never, there was never quite anything in mind. Like I like to go like, you know, I think you had kind of posed this question to me a lot, um, as to why I, we didn't film these shows and film hunts. And it was always because and my answer to you has always been the same. It's always because become, I, I want to shop. I, I'm not going to the show to work. Um, even though it would be great content. Yes. Um. at the time, in my head, I'm like, we don't make any money on any of this content, uh, and the money we make is, like, I don't get paid for, like, two years on it. So uh, I just want to go and shop. Like, that's literally all I want to do. I want to go. I want to go shop. I want to go talk to my friends, and I want to see what I can find. Like, that's that's my goal at a toy show. And, and that's not changing. As I stop collecting and sell this collection, um, I still want to go to toy shows because I still want to see the people that I know, see the dealers that I know, talk to them, see what's going on, see what's selling well, you know. I just have a good time so and,
2: and part of me making that suggestion is a you and Dave and a lot of the people you run into are ridiculously entertaining yeah but also B, as, as someone who has either not been able to go or been behind the table trying to sell I kind of want to live vicariously through you because I don't I don't I don't get to go
5: and I always understand that and then yeah. you know I, I understand that and I I, I always you know I, I always try not to be because I know the reason why I'm not filming it is selfish because I don't want to do it. No, no, I'm going to that. But no, I'm, I'm telling you. But I'm telling you this is this is this is how I feel. Um, I, you know, I'm going to that show. I'm paying money to get in that gate. Um, I want to go shop and selfishly, like I'm like I could make this content for people like you and other people who can't go to the show who want to live vicariously through that. I'm like, but honestly, I just want to go shop and uh, meh. You know, no, no. And and that's not a strike against you or anything. That's just that's literally my mindset at these shows, because I have part of it is because when I worked for figures dot com before that new toy smell and, you know, I spent three years going to San Diego Comic Con and Toy Fair, you couldn't go to those things and just shop. You couldn't go to those things and be a fan. You know, Toy Fair, of course, you have to be pressed to get in. But Comic Con, I've never been able to go to San Diego Comic Con as just a fan and take my time and enjoy the scenery it was always work for me and i vowed i'm like i'm never going to do this again i'm not going to do this again and i did it for a while with pop culture network and that was a mistake and i was like i do not want to do this again this is terrible
4: even as a fan i i have never had an interest in actually experiencing that show because i've been podcasting since late 2008 we started the network in 2009 And I just – I see what Comic-Con has become over the last decade or so. And it's fine. That's fine. That's what it's become and that's what it is. That's whatever. It's just too darn big for me. Like I would so need to have a game plan of I want to see this, this, and this, and this, and this, if I can even see this and this. And it's like it's so overwhelming.
5: It really is. And it – you know, it's – But it's not just Comic-Con. It's a lot of the conventions like that now have become – C2E2 has become that way. It's very overwhelming to where they have so much stuff going on at one time. Um, Even stuff that's not comic or toy-related, stuff like Gen Con. If you've ever been to Gen Con for board games or role-playing games, um, it's the same way. If you don't go in with a game plan – like Dave and I, the one year Dave and I went for my 40th birthday, we went. And uh, we didn't have a game plan. We just were like, we're just going to go – on sunday shop and come home like that would i'm like i don't care about going to any you know in any demos or anything or trying to get into games i just want to go i want to shop the dealer floor i want to buy a bunch of stuff and i want to come home
2: now and don't you know don't take me saying anything as like oh you you should only work for us the vault. if there's anything that's been 100 percent clear about you in the umpteenth amount of years you've been doing this you love the hobby you love the experience you have no obligation to film or put all of that level of work into filming a vlog or a toy hunt or anything right um because i I think if you found that to be something that was just so much work and just so much uh let me rephrase this um Obviously, living through a camera and experiencing a lot of that through the camera, you don't always connect to it the way that I think that comes through when you are met in person or in your podcast or anything like that where you're really describing your passion for the hobby. So I think, again, me selfishly saying, oh, I'd love to see it because you're fun and you're awesome is my thing. But I, it's the same reason why our our mutual friend Mark Probably will never work at Disney World because he doesn't want to ruin the magic either. And I right, think right, right. that's the same thing. You know, thing.
5: And, it's, and it's not like my my retirement from YouTube isn't isn't about the fact that doing these videos uh, has ruined my love for the hobby. It's just quite the opposite. It's just become like I'm 44 years old. I don't know how much longer I want to film and edit videos. Like I'm just like I've been. I've been literally filming and editing videos in one form or another for something since I was in high school, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, so, you know, my 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 love of the hobby has never changed, and I don't think it'll ever change. You know, I I think there's there's something about toys, and I think for a lot of us that is such a nostalgic you know a lot of people look down upon it and say oh you're just looking looking at the world through rose tinted glasses but it's it's more about remembering these amazing parts of our lives that mm-hmm. you know there are other amazing things as I got an adult you know uh, burying the love of my life um you know was an is an amazing memory and i never want to forget that um Things like that. But but for me, something just, just something about toys that always brings me back to, you know, as I sit here in this office recording, I can look across to my wife's work desk and there is a bookcase filled with new kids on the block member B and toys. And that's, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that, that I love. I love seeing that stuff. And I love I love being able to to share that love and that knowledge. Um, you know, when Carrie and I got married, she was not collector she was not into this stuff she didn't to her it is just even to this day to her it is just stuff um and at the end of the day yes it is just stuff but there's something really cool uh about you know being able to look at something that you owned as a child or as a teenager um Mm -hmm. and going this is cool this brings a lot of great memories this is something i cherish and i love it
2: and and talk about such a naturally perfect segue to the next question <laughs> well done jason i don't know if you have the script in front of you but no he doesn't <laughs> what do you think it is about our generation i'm 37 you said you're 44 i'm 41 41 you're right in between us that's God, actually i'm that's the perfect. middle child that's, that's kind of really scary yeah. yeah that's literally perfect and what do you think it is about our generation that causes our childhood toys to mean so much more to us for instance than our parents generation especially because you brought up your stepdad earlier I think that's such a perfect question at this point.
5: You know, it, but it's it's interesting. So if you think about the world of action figures, you think about how long action figures have been around. Action figures have been around since the invention of GI Joe by Hasbro in 1960. I'm probably gonna get the date wrong. 63, 64. Yeah, um, something like that. Somewhere around there. I probably the date might be wrong. I apologize, but you know, it's 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 a, it, you know, action figures were birthed in the 60s by GI Joe because they didn't want to call GI Joe a doll. And you look at you look at these generations that followed since the birth of even Barbie and G.I. Joe and you see that it's it's not just our generation that is fascinated by the things of their youth it is you know it's those generations as well and even beyond that you've got guys that collect tin toys because that's what they grew up with they grew up with you know these amazing tin toy collections as a child and they've gone back to hunt that so I don't even think it's it's necessarily about our generation it's it's more about the personal connection to 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 an item to a series to a line to to anything that continues to bring you back to that um that that, that makes you it fills you with this kind of uh feeling of love and appreciation you know, my love of Disney is very much the same way as my love of toys. My love of Jim and the Muppets is very much my same way as my love of toys. The knowledge of all that, like it's all intermixed. So it's not uh, it's just it's not one generation. It's it's every generation that's come before us and the generations that will come after us, the kids that grew up in the 90s. Have their own things, toy wise, that they go after. The kids that grew up in the two thousands are going after, you know. You look at the popularity of Pokemon cards, Bakugan, you know, Yu Gi Oh. A lot of this stuff. It's the same idea. It's it's something. Um, it's much like wrestling. It's it's cylindrical. Like so, it it just it keeps going in this big circle. Yeah. And what is what is what is not interesting to us that someone has grown up with will be interesting to them as they get older. So. Yeah. I find this hilarious. I I never knew this about GI Joe. The
4: original work was America's Movable Fighting Man, AMFM. Yeah. I'm like, "Oh, it's a radio play." And yes, 1964. <coughs> I was right
5: on the money. Okay. Yep.
4: All right. What is your motivation for purchasing toys to display, play, fiddle we talked about this a little bit earlier that you're an ADHD kind of toy collector. So describe in more, slightly more detail, your style of and your way of collecting.
5: You know, it's, 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 I don't think I have, I don't think I can really nail that down to like an explanation of style. It's more along the lines of in the back of my head, I know. Like, I'll go into a toy show without a list, but in the back of my head, I know there's certain things, if it's a board game or whatnot, I know there's certain things I keep my eye out for. And if I see something that goes along with what I've got in the back of my head, I will probably buy it. So it just depends on... And it's not even in a, if I have an attachment to the item or a history with it. It, it becomes more of you know i remember seeing that in a book i always wanted it here it is i'll probably buy it that kind of thing
6: right
2: absolutely take it away josh oh that's back to me you only had one question i've got like 10 coming up i'm bad at math that's because i'm old and i'm tired of talking so duval you are very much in tune with a lot of toys that really span a lot of age groups and and that's
7: with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
2: I think one of the most unique things about your collection, but have you ever purchased a toy for a child based on your own opinions of the toy, maybe because of your previous childhood experience or recent knowledge? Have you ever said, I know this based on my experience, you're going to love it.
5: No, because I think that is a inaccurate way to treat children. I think that's a terrible thing to do. um, Especially, I see so many toy collectors who are parents forcing their toys on their kids, and while the kids like it, those parents get very upset later on in life when those kids no longer want anything to do with that toy line. Um, I've always been more along the lines of you let the kids – if it's an older toy line or a property – You give them the opportunity to discover it themselves. You don't force them to sit down to watch it. You don't force them to play with it. You give them the opportunity and the tools to discover it for themselves and let them see if they fall in love with it themselves. I have never bought anything for a child based on my own preference and been like, here you go, kid. You'll love this. I loved it as a kid. You'll love it too. Um, Like I said, just because I don't believe in that uh, ideology, but I have given toys to kids who have come over when we first moved in, we had a, a housewarming party and I'll be honest, I don't remember whose daughter it was. It was somebody that Carrie knew, I think um, had a little girl and the little girl was fascinated with my rainbow brights that I had on the shelf and she really, really wanted one. Um, so I just reached up on the shelf, grabbed one and gave it to her. And she adored that thing all night long. She loved it. She went home with it. So, yeah, but again, that, that, that you give them the tools and the opportunity to discover something new. Uh, and let them fall in love with it in their own way.
2: And I think that's going to cover our next question. So we'll move past that because our numbering system is probably thrown out the window at this point. (laughs) So uh, you have, in the last year or so, especially because of COVID, sort of demonstrated a skill that you have that many people didn't know. So I'm just going to throw this question out there. Do you uh, do any sort of toy modifications or customs? Whether it be painting, <laughs> building, diorama building, or anything like that, you know I, I don't customize toys a
5: whole lot. Um, I do I do do a lot of painting. Um, I've been it's not something new. It's something I have painted model kits for the last 23 years, 24 years. But it's it's always been character kits, resin kits, vinyl kits. But I did uh, this last year uh, at a garage sale found a loose Toxic Crusaders major disaster. Uh, and bought it it was like a buck I bought it with the intention because it was beat up it was nasty looking um i bought it with the intention of i'm going to repaint this and i sit down and repainted it uh and if you follow me on instagram uh, under puppet of you'll you can go back and find it and see the picture of that finished product a major disaster um not only that but you can find the stuff that i've actually painted uh, but i i love i haven't got to paint in many months because carrie and i've been really busy and i just i've been able to make the time to sit down uh and paint you know we've been remodeling a bathroom and and doing a lot of other stuff so but I, I love i love painting i love painting models i love painting miniatures uh i've gotten really good at painting miniatures <laughs> i'm not great there's always someone that's way better than you when it comes to painting uh, i have a buddy here in town named Rhett Tudor. Who, uh, who teaches the painting class? Uh, was teaching the painting class and is going to again at our local gaming store, Titan Games. Uh, and he is a phenomenal, phenomenal painter, and I admire his stuff so much. And he's such a great teacher. But um, God, I, I love I love painting miniatures so much and models.
2: Do you paint kitchen cabinets by any chance? My wife is asking. No,
5: ah. Tell me okay. she's uh, she's out of luck.
2: Damn. Okay, sorry. Uh. So, the next question we have is a little unrelated to that, but I think this actually goes back to almost episode one of Dave and Duvall. (laughs) Ah, the Christmas Nazi. Okay, I wasn't going to go there necessarily, but I I think (laughs) it goes back to almost...
5: Episode one is literally called the Christmas Nazi.
2: Okay, so I know what I'm listening to when I go to the gym tomorrow. Yes. (laughs) Damn that John McClane. Do you think... The reason I ask is I think I I, I remember hearing the story of the motivation behind creating the the show and some of the thoughts you may have, especially as the toy industry has been changing recently. Do you think toy companies should specifically have adult collector toys, child toys, or find a way to produce both or a mix of both?
5: Problem is, I think think when it comes to action figures, which has now become a very niche market, you know, it, it seems like. Kids that get to the age to play with action figures 8 to 12 is basically what the industry standard is, I think, these days. Those kids are now – they have tablets, they have phones, they have PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One. Um, The action figure marketplace is a much smaller niche marketplace now. Um, And Dave and I have talked about this before. Eventually – It's just going to become. It's going to become what it's becoming now, which people are very pissed about. Um, The way that Super Seven does business with Ultimates, the way that Mattel Creations and Haslab is doing things, it's going to go to the Kickstarter way, which is what a lot of toy companies have done anyway. They're going to make toys to cover pre-orders, and then that's it. They're not going to find a lot of the stuff in stores. You're not going to get a lot of it. You either back it and pre-order it when it's available, or you miss out and have to pay second. You know, you know way, way marked up prices. Um, The toy industry as we know it uh, has been changing and continues to change, uh, especially with the death of Toys R Us, where now there's not an outlet in the United States to get oddball toy lines on a shelf space because real estate space is so minute in walmart and targets which are your big box retailers not in walmart target Myers, all these other stores that are major you know um supermarket retail organizations the real estate is so minute and so tiny that there's no way to get uh really an original brand new toy line on there so that's why you see in the aisles a lot of it is licensed you know stuff or stuff that's that they know people will buy master universe reissue stuff. Um, you know, ghostbusters, you know, they just reissued the kind of ghostbusters stuff, you know, cause they knew people were going to buy them. Now there was supposed to be a movie out last year for it, but still, um, but there's, there's not, there's not space to do what they were able to do at one time, which is come up with these original IPs, create these toy lines for these original IPs, put them in a toy aisle and let people decide if they're good or not. Um, so the toy industry, eventually, I don't even see really action figure aisles in the toys in, in stores in the next ten years. Honestly, I I would see them all going the way of the dodo, and most of that stuff being available for pre order online, or uh, much like the NECA shelf in Target being located like back in electronics in one section, and it's collectors items. That's that's where it's going. Yeah. Besides, NECA stuff is just way too expensive. Well, I mean, but that's that's the problem, and people always point that out. People point that out with the ultimate stuff too, with Super Seven, mm-hmm. and NECA stuff is way cheaper than Super Seven. Yeah, uh, it's Super and, and Seven. The, yeah. Well, the difference is is that NECA NECA has real estate partner, you know, um, um, retail partners. You know, they've mm-hmm. had retail partners for twenty years. You know, they were in Toys R Us yeah. shelves, and they were only at Toys R Us and comic book stores for years. So. Yeah. You know, now they've got in Walmart and Target, the price is a little, a little cheaper, but they're still making these high-quality products, which, um, you know, have to have those higher price tags because plastic's not cheap these days. No. People seem to forget that when they bitch about prices. Plastic's not cheap anymore. You know, it's, 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 not, it's not cheap to make these molds, you know. The molds are where a lot of the cost for the figures come from because metal molds are not cheap to make, and they're even more expensive now than they once were. Um, Super 7 stuff's so expensive because they have no – they have no retail partners. Like they're not technically in stores when it comes to their ultimate lines. Yes, the reaction line is in stores, but no one wants to take a chance on the ultimate lines because they've already got NECA stuff in stores. They've already got this other stuff. So Super Seven then has to turn around and go, uh, you know, entirely online real estate, you know, to, to do their retail business with pre-orders and that. Uh, and that's why those figures are sixty bucks, sixty-five bucks.
2: Yeah. And and Super Seven also has that great model that. Okay, let me rephrase that. Super seven has the unique model. I don't want to say it's yes. great. Yeah, it's not great, but it's unique. It's unique where they only make what they get orders for. So you do sit yes. on that free to order for a while. <clears throat> yes. Six six months to eight months even a year in some cases.
5: <clears throat> but it's it's <clears throat> the same thing that, that uh Mattel, that Maddie Collector eventually started doing towards the end of their run where they were just they were just selling, you know, they would sell this many and then that's it. Like if you missed out, you missed out.
2: Mhm. Yeah, and they're at least saying like, hey, this is the price point we have if we only make 2,000, we know that's the price point it's going to be. If we make 10,000, price pay- price point doesn't change. It's still going to be that price, which right. isn't the worst thing in the world. No, but it's
5: it's just the way, like I said, it it seems to me and and to Draper and to many others that that's that's, you know, that's that's where the industry is going to go like they you know it's just it's it's inevitable like it it's i don't think anything's going to stop that oncoming train it's just going to keep coming
4: yeah yep absolutely and this is why I stick with funko and i'm sure funko will have a shelf life at some point but until that happens, at least I can get whatever I want from whatever line I want if I want it. And if I don't want it, I don't have to buy it. That's true. All right. do you have a my parents got rid of my toys story?
5: I do not. the, the that never happened because the basement flooded um, <laughs> I mean so seriously like yeah, the, like yeah, Mother Nature stole pretty much all my toys away. <laughs> you know, my stepfather never threw out any of my toys. Mm. As a matter of fact, there was a bunch in the attic when I moved out. He actually got up in the attic and was like, hey, do you want this stuff? And I forgot this stuff was up there. And it was like the RoboForce, RoboController vehicle and a bunch of other stuff. And I was like, well, help, shit, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I forgot it was up there. I didn't realize it was up there. But uh, never never had them, you know, they never threw anything away. I had stuff break, yeah. but, you know, never, never threw anything away.
4: Well, the reason why I <laughs> asked that question, everyone will hear my answer to this question in episode 113 of the podcast is because I do and at 6 years old in 1986 my dad said I was too old for toys so this whole 8 to 12 range
5: yeah no I don't believe in that <laughs> well it's not the 8 to 12 thing yeah. isn't like official it's it's right, right. it's usually where they they come up with that number you know yeah yeah so, Rufus! huh Rufus! Were you? because they're not yum yums ow Rufus! Rude host. Rude host? Rude host. Why am I a rude host? Rude host. Why, Why am I a rude host? Rude host. Because, I because we're looking at connects and not Legos? Rude host. Oh. oh. <laughs> He's not saying rude host.
4: All right, so we've talked about this the whole episode, but I want a different answer to this because we've already gotten the story of, you know, you're selling your collection and you're doing this and you're doing that. The question actually is, was there ever a moment when you were done with toys? Have you ever considered stopping being a collector or even selling your whole collection? Basically, the answer I want to this is, when was the moment when you were like, I need to get rid of everything?
5: Uh, right after right after King County this year. Wow. Um, I had come home with very little. If you watch, I did a haul mm-hmm. video. Yep. Um, and I didn't really come home with a whole lot. You know, some... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some talking dolls, stuff like that, but it was trying to figure out where to put these things Mm -hmm. that, and they sit on the floor forever until I finally started to rearrange. And as I rearranged, I thought I I literally, there's no more room for anything. Like I literally cannot put anything else down here. It is full. Um, my little mermaid room had be, has basically become a catch all. Like there's shelves in there. There's all this stuff. Like I I literally have no more room. And it was after that show when I looked around and I thought, I need to sell all this. Like it's all gonna go. You know, and then and and I thought about it, thought about it, let it sit for a while. And every time I'd go back to think about it and think about getting rid of it or go down there and imagine the basement empty. Normally I feel like most people would get this pit in the feeling of their stomach, like, Oh God, why are you thinking this? You can't sell it. This Mm -hmm. is crazy. I never I still to this day don't have that feeling. You know, I sold the Ghost Command playset. Um, which is a pivotal piece for any collection. Uh, mm-hmm. It took me five and a half years to find one. Right. And I sold it. And I honestly, I look at his pictures and I'm so ecstatic and happy that it's so well loved. And, and it, you know, um, they, they adore it. Um, I don't have any regrets. Like even at this point, like doing all of this, you know, taking all these pictures and getting everything kind of packed up for this auction. I, I don't, I really, I, like, I still to this day, i like, I have no, I don't have that feeling. I not, I don't look at it and go, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I go, I need to be doing more. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with me when I stopped, and people will hear this in episode one thirteen. When I st- when I had to sell my stuff in twenty eleven, and I had. A minuscule collection at best, and I, you know, got maybe two, three hundred bucks for it. But I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I don't need this stuff anymore. I need to move on. And, and you know, as I mentioned earlier with SDCC, I might have mentioned that off air. I don't remember at this point because we've been recording. But it's one of those things where. In 2012, I spent six hours on a podcast live reacting to every every major announcement SDCC did, and I enjoyed whatever toys that were shown off or announced or whatever. But I still had no compunction to get them, kind of like I didn't need them, kind of thing. And it wasn't until like wasn't until 2016, 2017 when I saw wwe 2k stone cold steve austin pop and batgirl 66 pop i'm like ooh,
5: funko hi (laughs) (laughs) you know it's 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 interesting um that you know i talk about not having that feeling um Mm -hmm. i i think the people around me in my circle were more concerned uh, about me selling my collection than about you know than I was I, you mm-hmm. know. a lot of the concern was, um, you know, my, my wife, Carrie love God bless her lover. Her. Um, she had more of a problem with me selling because we went down there to sort it and mm-hmm. she, she got close to hyperventilating cause she was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're doing that. Like not, not like like excitedly, but like, Oh my God, are you sure that you want to do this? Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and both her and Dave, um, both, we're worried about my mental health, and if I was mm-hmm. having if I was having a midlife crisis because I'm at that age, um, mm-hmm. and I kept you know I shared them both. I'm like I'm really fine. Like I am not having a midlife crisis. I am not contemplating. You know I don't have suicidal tendencies. That was something else because people were telling Dave, you know, you know you should you should check on him because when people do something like this, they usually kill themselves. And I'm like I trust me. I'm like I am not. <laughs> I'm not dying. I don't have suicidal thoughts. I literally have just gotten to the point with the collection where it's like, it is so much stuff. It's so overwhelming. Yeah. And at the end of the day, while it's got nostalgic properties to it, while it is valuable to some at the end of the day, it's just stuff. Like they're just toys. They're just stuffed animals. They're just board games. Like a lot of that stuff could always be replaced. Um, mm-hmm. And I can keep the stuff that I want to keep, but at the end of yeah. the day, it's just stuff, and I really I don't need that much stuff.
4: Yeah, and like you said in the video, and again, as I mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast, that I will link the, the, the toy walkthrough video with Danny. I'm also going to put up my lovely comparison photos from yeah. <laughs> when the time both of y'all, y'all dumbasses, Made me cry in 2011 and made me cry in 2021, bastards. (laughs) Uh, But it's one of those things where, like you said earlier, even though you're selling your entire collection, you're still keeping certain key pieces that you want. You're you're not leaving the toy. You're still a toy collector. You're still going to look at the stuff. You're not like, oh, my God, I'm turning my basement into a dentist's office. Like you're not doing anything major, major, major. And yes, you're right, as far as mental health goes, when someone makes a decision like this, it's because, like I said, your collection like when when we had Dave on, and and Dave said this on his episode, again I will link that in the show notes. You know, you're his power of attorney what whatever. Like if something happens to him you're going to be responsible for his thing. And and both of y'all's collections, even Danny's collection, even Josh's collection, even though it's only one or two rooms for Josh, they're so massively huge that it mentally, it breaks you down to think about whether I should sell it or not. Does it still give me joy? Does it still – and I'm sure it does still give you joy, but it's one of those things like I'm saying – there's too much of it. And there's uh, there's usually so much of a good thing that you're like, oh,
5: crap.
4: I need to do something well, and, about and, this. And
5: people, people commented on Danny's video. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I, 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 I strategically, along with Danny, we talked about this a lot, but I, I strategically like knew I was going to make this announcement of my retirement on mm-hmm. our YouTube. And I knew that Something had to be done with Danny because Danny and I started this journey together online. Absolutely, and I knew that I knew that it kind of had to end that way, to a degree. Like it, it's not ending ending right. Right, right. right. That was like, <clears throat> but I also knew using Danny um, and allowing him to come in and film this this haul video buy stuff would help me get the word out even more about this toy sale. Um, so I, I knew going into it, like, I'm like, this This is, strategically, this is the best way to do this. Like, um, everybody gets something out of it, and everybody gets, you know, gets mm-hmm. something they need out of it. So
4: Absolutely, and it, it frees up your basement to do whatever you want to do with it.
5: Yes, which eventually that'll be revealed. It's going to be... Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, it's probably going to be January, February before I, <laughs> I finish that video because I am documenting as I go through personally I'm kind of like filming short little segments. Like I'm not documenting the whole thing because that's that's just it's too much. It's too much to document and it's just me down there usually so I'll usually turn the camera on. I'll shut Alexa off because I don't want any music playing because I don't <laughs> want YouTube to be like, hey. Uh, but I'll flip the camera around on the phone and Talk for a couple minutes and kind of show the progress and talk about what's been going on. And um, mm-hmm. so th- there will be a video of that and then the ultimate reveal of what will be done with part of the space down there.
2: Very cool. Very cool. I think it was interesting for me watching because you and I have done a couple toy deals here and there. And it's always fun looking at your collection and being like, oh, I remember selling that to DeVoe. Yes. That oh, was yeah, a yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and still, at the same rate, you know, I, w- I was really happy that you gave some of that stuff a good home. And I, I think it'll still continue to find another good home somewhere else. At, it's another, and, and it's another chapter. That's,
5: that's kind of my, my thought with it is that the collection has become so massive that it's it's become time to let others enjoy mm-hmm. the collection, enjoy their own pieces or portions of that collection. So,
2: Especially if it's something that they have been just after and they're looking for the best example of it, which a lot yeah. of the stuff you have. Yes, is very very well taken care of and complete and looks fantastic. So someone's gonna be very very lucky uh, when they pick up that stuff. Yeah, yep. yeah. Being a toy collector is like
4: a never ending story. When you're done, there's always a next chapter. What is something that does not have a toy of it you'd love to have in toy form? I don't know if
5: there's anything particular that ever that never got a toy. Because I think most of the stuff that I had wanted,
4: mm-hmm.
5: um, whether it be the the animated Beetlejuice series or the 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 original eighty seven Masters of Universe film, the live action one,
6: mm-hmm.
5: we've gotten toys for all that stuff now. That William Stout like, collection like, is amazing. Like, yeah, like we've got the William Stout collection. We've gotten an animated Beetlejuice figure. Like, there's not really anything left out there that I go, oh, I wish they would have made something with toys of that because it's pretty much. Everything at this point, thanks to a lot of these companies uh, that was super popular, Labyrinth or Dark Crystal, stuff like that, they've all had toys made out of them. Mm
4: -hmm. What is a toy that you love to have scaled up and functional for real people? So the basic genesis of this question is, over on the pull bag I ask, what is one comic item you'd love to have in the real world, like Green Lantern's Ring or Batman's Batarang, that kind of thing?
5: Probably, um, I don't. Know, it's not necessarily a vehicle or anything, but I, I'd want a like a life-size scaled-up Gloop Inspector gadget, just because that's one of my all-time favorite toys. Um, and I think a life-size version of that with like the helicopter and that you could pop in and out and stuff
2: like that. I think that'd be cool. I, I could totally see you having a life-size costume you could put on that. Duplicates all of those features. <laughs> uh, but you see, I'm I'm not a
5: cosplayer though, so it just it would never. I'm not. Like I've never. I have never not, had any desire to go down that road. But
2: yeah, it, it'd I'm be not fun. Not even. To- not even as a cosplay though. I think I I could totally see you having a helicopter pop out of your head and just go to Walmart. That'd be fun. That would okay. be fun. Go go Duvall helicopter. <laughs> and it just kind of pops out, and people just see you slowly floating over. Mm-hmm. Springfield's that's right size.
4: <laughs> all right we are up to question number 37 in a row take it away josh
2: so deval I, I i've met your your spouse, your spouse spouse, yes spruce i i've met your spouse. i i have listened to uh married to the collection for several yes. years
5: whatever uh, Carrie... happened to that uh to interrupt josh's question The same thing that happened in Collection Expansion Extravaganza. There was a number of years after a while there that we just didn't go out as much um, because there was no reason to because we couldn't really buy anything because there was no room to put anything. So uh, Married to the Collection kind of just faded by the wayside because we really – we didn't have anything like adventure-wise or toy-wise to talk about with one another because we hadn't done anything for a while, so –
2: and I'll add that marriage to the question, uh, or not marriage to the question, excuse me. Oh, uh, Married to the collection. Married to the collection. Listening to that right around the time that I actually first got married was incredibly insightful. Because you really heard a lot from, from Carrie, from her sp- perspective of not being someone who understood having a lot of stuff to being married to someone who had a lot of stuff and learning right. what that was like. And especially learning that relationship between the, the two of you. And I'm I'm sort of almost answering this question for you, so I'm gonna stop, but I'm <clears> gonna <throat> finish the question. How has your spouse dealt with your collection? You know, it was uh when
5: Carrie and I first got together, because we'd known each other for twenty-two years, something like that, I have known Carrie almost as long as I have wrestled because her ex fiance wrestled for us and I met Carrie through there and it I was one of the only few people um that hung out with her ex-fiancé that Carrie actually liked um uh, like not as like, like not like like at that time but like she she could tolerate me she was excited to see me we joked we we got along just great together
0: um Oh oh
6: oh O'Reilly
0: You need parts O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh,
2: oh, oh, O'Reilly. Auto Parts.
5: When we got married, when we first started dating, she knew I had a bunch of stuff. She knew I had a bunch of movies. And I had a bunch of action figures because she'd been to the apartment. So she'd seen all this stuff. She kind of knew what she was getting into when we were dating. Um, you know, so she was okay with it. When we moved in together, she kind of knew. You know, I had a room upstairs. I had a bunch of stuff in it. It was around the time, though, when my mother was like, hey, she had been paying for a storage locker. Um, for my For me and for her, but most of it was my stuff. Stuff from the store, stuff from, you know, just... The stuff that I didn't take that wouldn't fit in the apartment, it was all in storage. And my mom was like, hey, I'm going to stop paying on the storage shed. And Carrie was like, what storage shed? And I was like, oh, yeah, I never told you because I never thought about it. But, yeah, we've got the storage shed. And most of it's mine. She's like, okay. I was like, so we're going to have to go get that. And she said, oh, okay. So, you know, we took my Ford Ranger at the time and went over there to pick it up. And mom opened the door, and I just remember Carrie going, what the hell? Because it was full. It was a big you know huge storage shed and it was full of crap and it was all my crap so she she never really understood the collecting aspect of it until we moved into this house that we currently live in and we were unpacking and she discovered all of my muppets and disney stuff and she became enamored and just immediately fascinated and then that started this this journey with her of loving to go out, she she kind of learned what to look for, what to find. So she will look through like comics and stuff and pull stuff out for me too. And so she's 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 gotten you know it started out as it's just stuff you don't need it to hey this is kinda cool. Do you want to get this, you know? <laughs> to a degree. To a degree. Not all the time, but to a degree.
6: <laughs>
2: so obviously as she grew to appreciate that yeah and you started doing it as more of a a couple at times going on these yes. really fun trips that I love yes. hearing about yeah so that part of collecting perhaps you you evolved the past, but uh prior to making your decision to re- you're you're in kind of partial retirement with collecting, you're still going to be collecting. but what was something that you struggled with and I, I'm gonna provide and you can use these answers if you'd like. Um, a lot of people say the cost of the space. Was there anything else with collecting that might be a little bit different than that, or were those your also your two main issues that the, the you cost know, of the space?
5: I think for everyone it comes down to space. I know Draper's kind of in that and that aspect now where he'll he'll get something new in and I'll look at him and go, what the hell "Are you going to put that?" And he goes, I don't know, "I'll find room for it." It comes. I think it, for a lot of people it comes down to space. Um, it was never about cost for me because I never. We always got deals on stuff and not like because I, you know, finagled deals out of people. It was just like I just got lucky and found a lot of the stuff for stupid cheap or bought it early on. But, you know, it, it's it's these days now it, it's and I kind of told Dave this and i carry like it's more now it's more about I want I want the experience. I don't need the stuff. The stuff's fun to look at. I want the experience because, you know. Carrie and I go we still go on these great trips and have a heck of a lot of fun together and uh, enjoy each other's company. While we're out and love shopping and people watching and stuff like that and that's that's what it's become more for me now is is it's less about the stuff and more about the adventure
2: and, and again, i'm I'm also hitting that same point, so I'm looking at everything and yeah, sometimes it is more of the adventure and the memories you can look back at. but I think you also brought the same point. I'm just I'm gonna. For a little bit of a counterpoint, is that sometimes the adventure is finding the stuff.
5: Sometimes it is. I mean, there, there's always that aspect of the adventure being the stuff that you find, and that's very much true, especially with carrying ice trips. Is that sometimes that that is? In fact, we we marvel at some of the stuff that we've been able to find. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, it, it's still it's it's even though the stuffs involved, it's still about the adventure. Like it's, I, I want. I want experiences, which is something Carrie's kind of been nagging at me for years about is when we get old, retire, we, she wants adventure, she wants experience, you know? Um, and I, I kind of, as I get older, I start to feel the same way. It's like, I, I really want experiences. I want to go do something we've never done before. Let's go somewhere we've never been before. Let's go do this. And while we're out, if we manage, you know, if we happen to stroll
2: into an antique store or something, then we will. But as we're talking about experiences, a lot of that sometimes comes down to great memories. Do you have one positive memory? i you have tons of positive memories. Do you have one positive and one negative memory that you have with buying toys? Um,
5: positive memories are they're in abundance, uh, especially with buying stuff. Uh, I've got to meet a lot of great people. Uh, our buddy dealer Dan, Spike Forrester. Um, you know I'm friends with Jordan Himbro. Uh, from Toy Hunter, you know fame. Uh, same with Steve Savino. Like I- I've met those guys. I've hung out with those guys. I've talked to those guys many times. Um, you know, I got to meet, uh, I-, I met David Gall who people aren't familiar with the name, but he's, uh, he's a third generation auctioneer. He's, he was on toy hunter. He was part of that group. Um, and he he's, has he's amazing. amazing hair. He does have amazing hair for a man his age. Um, he, uh, he's got an amazing star Wars collection. Uh, he's a prototype collector, so he's got some really cool stuff. Um, uh, but you know, I, I've met a lot of great people, um, uh, doing, enjoying this hobby. Uh, and that's, what's great to me is, is the people that I've met and that I've become friends with flood, um, guys like you, Mike, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all these different guys that I've got to meet because of this hobby have been great. Um, as for the more disappointing aspects of the hobby, I think, I think I'd have to go back to a lot of the the auctions that Dave and I have been to together, toy auctions and that, where they just bring out the worst people, um, <laughs> who could bid on any certain items. You know, uh, I've just seen some terrible people at these auctions that I'm like, dude, I, and I would see these guys again at shows and avoid their table because I'm like, I don't want anything to do with these guys because they're garbage. Um, but it, that's kind of the, the the negative aspect of the hobby is you meet. A lot of times, especially in toys, more in sports cards and stuff, but uh, um, it, it it brings out all the worst in people. Sports cards are still a oh, thing. Well, yes, and uh, Carrie's Carrie's motioning to me, reminding me of a story. But uh, she uh, Carrie, where was that? Was that at an was that at a estate sale? Okay, Carrie and I were at an estate sale in St. Louis, and. There was uh, there was a whole bunch of toys we were going after. We were the first people there. We got there. At, the, the sale didn't start until nine thirty in the morning, and we got there at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, because I was like, well, if we're going to go for this stuff, we really need to be the first people there. So we went, pulled up, Carrie slept in the car. I went out and sat in the in this driveway and just this stranger's driveway <laughs> where this estate sale was <laughs> happening at freaking you know four in the morning. And just hung out there until the sale, and our buddy dealer Dan showed up. We made some friends, um, and there was a couple of people, a few people behind us, and we kind of had an idea where the stuff was inside. So as soon as they let us in, um, there was this mad rush, and Carrie got pushed down as oh, people were what? like, "Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous." Like these people that were behind us called in extra people to come help them, and they were like, I, "I've, I." literally saw this one of these dudes leap over a table to snatch up these trays of figures and run out with them. And it was like, Holy crap, people, um, that, that kind of, that I'm going to cuss here. Mike may beep it out. That kind of Mm. shit is the worst of humanity when it comes to this hobby or people like that, who will push down a woman to get to toys. Um, and I didn't actually get to see it happened i saw the aftermath and i wasn't sure what exactly had happened until she later told me she was like they pushed me down i was like what the hell
2: did i ever tell you and maybe mike i'll leave this up to you um did i ever tell you deval so you had suggested an estate sale appeared to me a couple years ago yes. i don't know if you remember that did i ever tell you the result of that estate sale vaguely yes you told me it was not a great experience same thing four o'clock in the morning i i go and get uh i pull up to the house and a guy greets me, knocks on my window, and he says, congratulations, you're number two. And I said, what? And he was signing up. Everybody who showed up, he just took that responsibility to sign up everybody on a list in the order that they showed up. Right. He wasn't working for the company. He was just the first one there at probably three in the morning. <laughs> I see him uh, once the employee starts showing up at about seven in the morning Bunch of us are talking in line. We're hanging out, having a good time, getting to know each other. I start finding out that nobody is really going after what I'm going after. I see this first guy in line. He palms uh, an undisclosed amount of money to the employee. (laughs) So the door opens. He is racing past everybody. Like he kind of even shoved me a little bit. Runs down to the basement, gets down there, looks at the table. It was all packaged Star Wars figures. He just says, I'm taking it all. And the guy, there's already somebody, uh, someone standing right next to it, stacks it up and gives it to him, and he just walks away.
5: Yeah. Damn. Estate sales are a weird beast. They're either really, really well done and really well controlled or just a complete cluster. And most of the ones that Carrie and I have been to, say for one, have been a complete cluster, Uh, which is part of the reason why we really don't go to estate sales anymore because it's just not worth the effort. Um just because you're you're not so much that you're fighting with people. You're always fighting with people at auctions or at shows, but um, just the, the type of people that come out to estate sales just are not worth the hassle and the trouble of going. So if they want to fight other people for it, more power to them. I'm not going to be there for it.
4: Yeah, that's crazy.
5: So like Josh
4: has done throughout this two hours, I'm going to throw an audible before I ask the next of the last three questions. Tell us the story of Puppet Duvall. <laughs> Puppet of all,
5: for those of you who don't know, that would have been the 66 uh, Batman and
1: the
6: Batmobile.
1: Batman!
5: Hey guys, welcome to an all new review right here on ToyWorldOrder.com. Start me, i and my buddy, Puppet of all. No! Why are you cowering? I hit you
1: once! I hit and then the with the teeth and the and there a bear! and then um... and then the I know
5: where it mean to you as in time! In time! You don't get
1: me got time where I met Laura man. Where were we... Who's are Hello?
5: Hello? Think <laughs> fig- <laughs> of all. Think. <fig. laughs> I'm done. Where would you live if you went back in time before you met me?
1: Uh,
5: You'd be living with bigfoot.
1: bigfoot.
5: Yeah, what's worse? Who's the lesser of two evils, me or Bigfoot?
1: Well, you definitely all the lesser no.
5: Over on Toy World Order, at the beginning of Toy World Order even, uh, actually as, as early as that new toy smell, I used a... Puppet. I wish Draper was here; he'd be able to tell you who made the puppets, um, the original ones. He he knew the maker, um, and they were just these weird folksy-looking, you know, puppets. Um, big old long arms, big old long legs. They could wrap around you. They were supposed to kind of be these fun little things that wrapped around you that were puppets. Um, I bought him when I was twelve years old in Branson, Missouri.
2: Yeah, the, those go back to the early '80s. I had one growing up. Yeah. Um, so I've I've had
5: the original Puppet Duvall since I was 13, 12, 13, somewhere around that age. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has lived with me ever since. And we used him in an episode of That New Toy Smell when we did the Muppet episodes. I thought it'd be funny for me to be a puppet for that episode and for Danny to react to this puppet version of <laughs> me. <laughs> so Puppet Duvall kind of started in that vein. Um, I used him several times Uh, When we did Toy World Order originally, BC Direct, who was one of the founders of Toy World Order um, out of California, we were doing this thing with Puppet Duvall where um, he had a crush on BC Direct. So we had a picture of him and all this stuff. It was was just – it was this stupid thing that cracked us up that we thought was funny. And we kind of used him a few times during that. uh, But it wasn't until Danny and I and Dave started working on board the show – Mm-hmm. Uh, together, that Puppet of All really became what Puppet of All is, and a lot of that has to do with Dave Draper. Mm-hmm. Because. Wait,
1: what? Do you read? What? Why? did we
5: back from town? What, why, why is it every time that uh, I, I, we, we get together and I, I come into frame, you, you now sigh at me?
1: Well, because it's trauma with me in the day. You showed up with a mask and hit me and said, Shadow oh, Warrior.
5: Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. Yes? You showed up with a mask and hit no. me.
1: No, no. With this stick. See, I'm doing No, no, blue, blue, no, 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 I review toys. I review your toys. You're great. I love your toys. I love your
5: toys so, back to
1: cruel, the. future. So-,
5: so, back to the future, huh, Doc Brown? Yes. To back and. Tobacco and Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, today's review actually is uh, has something to do with wow,
1: that. Wow, that is amazing! What am a coincidence! I almost fell in the top
5: Dave would uh, would be in the shower, and his his. Uh, um his previous dog Casey who has passed uh, passed several years ago mm-hmm. um sweet old i think she was an irish settler and dave's going to kill me if i get that wrong but i'm pretty sure that's what she was just a gorgeous beautiful beautiful dog-, dog she was so sweet she was so goofy but she would sit in his bathroom while he would shower and he would talk in this voice like oh, baby burps baby burps you know that kind of voice um mm-hmm. Which became the Puppet Duval boys. But originally it was just, you know, nonsensical stuff. And we started mm-hmm. to actually, I don't think in the early episodes he even talked on camera. I think he just moved his mouth and we later dubbed in his voice mm-hmm. as Puppet Duvall. Eventually we decided to have Puppet Duval start talking. Um, and that's when Dave really created the persona of what Puppet Duval would become. That's honestly, it, it, it's, it's, Uh, It's all kudos to Draper, because Draper's the one who created that version of the character. Like, the the puppet existed, a Puppet DeVall that Mm -hmm. became known is all in thanks to Dave Draper. Like, it's it's all Dave's—it all comes out of Dave's evil, twisted little mind. When
2: you find out that Dave, who is a a burly man, (laughs) is the one making that high-pitched voice kind of voice— it it is it's very surreal to say the least
5: oh no it's it was super crazy at first there we would take trips to toy man and to entertain ourselves i would have a conversation with puppet the ball while dave was driving and it would turn into the most insane ridiculous stuff that we could never film when we would go to the toy man toy shows Mm -hmm. uh dave and i would entertain each other in the car and we would have conversations between myself and puppet the ball and they would be the most insane, ridiculous, stupid things that went off the rails that you could never film. But, yeah, to hear that voice come out of Dave's mouth, um, and he's gotten better about it, too, because uh, the later episode of The Puppet of All, he got better at enunciating in that voice, because that voice is very hard, even I can't. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't understand how uh, Elmo's uh, puppeteer does that (laughs) voice. Like, Kevin Clash was one thing, but this new guy, I see him do the voice, and I'm like, I don't know how you do it, man. (laughs) Uh, But they've got really good at enunciating In that voice I can't do it I can do kind of this But you lose it quick When you start to enunciate certain things But they've got Mm -hmm. really good at enunciating So um, yeah it's all The puppet of all that everyone knows Now uh, is all Is all thanks to Dave Draper Like I had very little to nothing to do with that It's all literally It's me reacting to Draper Literally (laughs)
4: I think in the future at some point we're going to have to have the four of us on
5: here and we're going to have to resurrect Puppet Deval because... Well, I don't, I don't think Puppet Duvall is ever quite really going to go away, 100%. Like, right. I may not do videos, but you might see a Puppet Duvall video every once in a while just because. Yeah,
4: that's cool.
2: And every so often you have to talk to somebody from the IRS and that voice just comes up. You never know.
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'll scare them away pretty fast. If you could create... Any toy? What would it, what would you want to create? So basically, any of the toy companies gives you the keys to the kingdom. You can do whatever you want. What toy would you want to create?
5: Honestly, I, I'm I'm probably going to take a cop out answer here. I wouldn't want to. <laughs> only, o- only because I know how the toy industry works. I know the 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 effort and the pain and sacrifice that goes into making a lot of these toy lines. And I am a lazy son of a bitch and I don't want anything to do with it. (laughs) What is
4: the one piece of advice you would give the toy collecting fandom?
5: If you're going to be in this hobby, understand how this hobby works. Not just vintage toy sellers. Understand how the toy industry works because I see a lot of people complaining, especially right now with, uh, you know, with the shortages And Walmart shelves looking like they are. And people are blaming the toy companies. Like Hasbro just doesn't – they obviously don't want to sell their stuff because they're not putting anything on the shelves. (laughs) It's not that. It's – you know, especially right now, the chain of supply is so jacked up that there are literally boats on the ocean waiting to be unloaded and have been waiting to be unloaded for months. Shipping containers are astronomically priced right now where they were – $3,000 three thousand dollars a container they are now twelve to fifteen thousand dollars a container it's that kind of stuff like if you don't understand the aspects of your hobby and yes a lot of the aspects are mundane they're boring um, you just want to deal with the toys I get that but that's the type of advice I have for a lot of people that if if, if you're going to get into a hobby if you're going to get into something new, take the time to do the research, look around, read up on it, understand how that industry works. Like when I got into tabletop board games, you know, in the last five years, I didn't just jump in willy nilly. Like I started joining these groups and reading all this stuff and understanding more about how that industry had changed since the 90s, since the last time I was involved in it. And, and that kind of saying, you know, learning about the Kickstarter campaigns and all that. So uh, it's really something I've always strive. I strive on David Duvall's too. When people, when Dave and I talk about people complaining or arguing about certain things going on with toys and toy lines and why things are priced the way they are and this, that, and the other, I I always go back to people need to understand how their hobby works. They need to understand what hobby they're in. Why they, why are they in it? How does it work? Why does it work this way? Why hasn't it changed? Like you need to understand these different aspects to really grasp the hobby that you're in. Um, it's probably not for everyone, but I feel like a lot more people would enjoy the hobby more if they had basic understandings of certain aspects of it.
4: Absolutely. What is advice
5: you'd give to kids who enjoy toys? Just enjoy toys. Like at the end of the day, they're just toys. Mm -hmm. Um, if they make you happy and you have fun, then cool. Like continue to play with them, have fun, continue to let them make you happy. Um, Don't pay any attention to the people arguing or complaining or telling you you're stupid because you like this certain toy or you like this certain company. Like what you like. The people that are hating, just let people like what they like. Let people enjoy a thing. Don't piss all over something just because you have a, a, a bad response to it or are angered by something. Like, just let somebody enjoy a thing. Like, why do you have to take the time out of your day to shit on somebody's thing? Just enjoy a thing. If you enjoy that thing, awesome. If I don't enjoy that thing, I'm glad you enjoy it. That's cool.
4: And we can always find something else that we both enjoy. That's great. All right, folks. We are going to take another quick ad break, and now we're going to come back and get some final thoughts and, and close it out. Right after this. Kid? Yes?
0: Shut up. Beyond
4: the Night is the GCRN's latest review podcast. We are covering everything in the Knight Rider television universe. From the classic 80s TV series to the 1991 reunion film... Team Night Rider, and the 2008 relaunch series as well. So join TFG and Mike and Dion the Music Man as they go in depth and beyond the night only on Geekcast Radio Network. You can find Beyond the Night in iTunes and on www.geekcastradio.com.
0: Yes, Michael. Just keep driving.
4: Hello, geeks and geekettes!
8: Looking for a podcast that covers a vast array of topics? Then check out Altered Geek Unleashed, where we discuss our thoughts on this week's geeky news, tech, gaming, television shows, movies, cartoons, comics, and more. So, get altered, get geeky with the Altered Geeks, every Friday on the Geekcast Radio Network.
4: One of the primary themes of ToyCast is that we focus on times past. We are who we are today because of the nostalgic memories and experiences from our childhood. Obviously, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if it weren't for the toys that make us so addicted to nostalgia. Times Past Collectibles in Chicago, Illinois, is your primary go-to collectible store to reclaim the toys that drove those memories and experiences. Specializing in in action figures from all of your favorite toy lines like Star Wars G.I. Joe He-Man Transformers Silverhawks Ghostbusters TMNT Mask and more get your dose of nostalgia with a shop run by collectors for collectors whether you are looking for loose G.I. Joe ice cream soldier a packaged Leonardo recent Star Wars Black Series figures or an AFA graded Boba Fett Times Past Collectibles is bringing you back to your childhood Visit the shop at 1450 North Ashland Ave in Chicago, just two blocks south of Ashland and North Ave. Call the shop at 847-830-1031 or email Times Past Collectibles 1982 at gmail.com. You can also find them on Facebook. Just search Times Past Collectibles because folks, it's past time that you get your collectibles.
0: The Toys of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe is available for pre-order now. This official guidebook is published by Dark Horse Books and features over 750
2: pages of photos and information on your favorite He-Man and She-Ra action figures. And don't miss out on the exclusive bundle pack available for pre-order now from PowerCon.
0: This bundle includes the official guide as well as an exclusive character guide supplement that you won't be able to buy anywhere else. Don't miss out. You have the power.
5: Because the world needs another movie podcast. The GeekCast Radio
2: Network presents for your listening pleasure the Cinema Geeks,
3: hosted by Amanda, Kevin,
1: Matt, and Dan.
2: Each week, we dive headfirst in the landscape of movies as we discuss movie news, play movie games, go in depth on reviews,
1: and even have a top ten countdown or
6: two.
2: Also, don't miss our director retrospective series, where we review noted directors' movies, film by film. Bottom line is, if you love movies and love podcasts, you need to experience the Cinema Geeks. You can find us on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio. Or GeekCastRadio.com.
7: On the Simplistic Reviews podcast, we talk movies. We talk TV. We talk. Hello, Julie, what the heck are you doing? Trying to make our spots sound more exciting by adding
1: explosions. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could have got the point across with sound effects, not the real thing.
3: Car,
7: car download the show on iTunes or at simplisticreviews.blogspot.com.
4: I'm sure your insurance company will cover that. No, they won't.
2: No, they probably won't. Hey, it's Wes from Poppin' Off Toys. Wanted to let you know about poppin'offtoys.com. Off Toys.com. We can be your number one source for Funko collectible figures to add to your ever-growing collection. If you're in Nashville, Tennessee, we actually have a retail store that you can come by. 5916 Charlotte Pike. And for the rest of us, Poppin' Off Toys.com is always open, and you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. And the name is just simply popping off toys. Thank you so much, and always keep it popping.
5: All right,
4: we are back here on ToyCast. This is episode 111. I have no idea what we're doing for episode 112 because uh, somebody sunk the Waterworld toys
2: for a couple of months. But anyway... There uh, was a hurricane that came... Like, literally, there was a hurricane that... Yes, yes. We'll get to that.
4: Yes, yes, we will eventually, down the line. So, next episode's probably going to be a display case. But, Mr. Duvall, thank you for taking the time to join us. It is always so fun to podcast with you. I remember, I think it was one. Uh, I don't know. You were on one of the earlier, earlier episodes of toy cast way back when seven years ago, I think we did the men of steel where we were trying to talk about Superman toys in episode 78. And we ended up talking about anything else, right. because there wasn't really much to talk about Superman yeah. action figures. <laughs> Boy, any final thoughts from you, Josh, before I run through the outro?
2: So I, I know this is obviously not a goodbye to Duvall by any means. Duvall will be around. Duvall, you're still keeping the Dave and Duvall podcast for quite some time.
5: Oh yeah, now the podcast is that was something Dave and I talked about when I when I told him, you know, because Dave and I talked about all this stuff before I even made an announcement of, of any yeah. of it. Um, but I had talked to Dave and I was like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to do videos anymore. I kind of want to just step away. Um, I kind of want to fade out into the, you know, into the sunset. Um, but the podcasts I said are going to continue, you know, um, continue period until probably one of us
2: dies, honestly. So, um, so this isn't goodbye by
5: any means. No, 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 no. Dave, you can still hear David and I every every week on David DeWolfe's Toys and Collectibles on Toy World Order. Um, it may not even it's not necessarily the last video I do because there's still a bunch of projects um, that I have on the computer on hard drives that I kind of like to finish up. Um, the the big project that I'm working on, and then I, you know, I'm I'm sure I'll pop up from time to time um, with Pixel Dan or at shows with people or or even on Toy World Order itself, um, just because. I, I happen to be there and somebody's got a camera on my face. Um, well, but yeah, know it's, it's definitely not goodbye. It's, it's, you know,
2: but I, but I did want to say like coming from almost nine years ago now, just shy of 10 years ago where I started listening to your show. Your show was the soundtrack for my hour long car ride to work and my hour long car ride home. To go from listening to you and then awkwardly meeting you at a Kane County. and then Yes.
4: <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You can't skip over that. What do you mean <clears throat> awkwardly meeting him?
2: It was actually more Dave than, than Duvall, to be honest. That was So there's Dave, Duvall, Danny. There's a lot of D names. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I go and meet him and – I will be honest, I thought Duvall's first name was Duvall for the longest time. (laughs) So I go up and I introduce myself, and I, you know, I saw them at at my first Kane County, and they're people I have listened to, seen on videos, and now they're in person. And this is my big moment to impress them. Oh, hi, Duvall and Dan. (laughs) Dan and And Draper's response to me was, uh, after I actually apologized and introduced myself, he's like, "Oh, what was your name again? Justin? Thanks. great.
6: <laughs>
2: but no it, this this has actually been a very, very cool experience I, I I a lot of this i've I've had the fortune of knowing already going into it, but right it seems like almost a full circle, a little bit of, hey, man, this is this has actually been quite an experience to say." I was there, hearing a lot of your early stuff. You got me through three years of a very long and difficult commute, right? And now we're we're at this point. So I just I thank you for for the hours, the endless hours of content and the work you've put in for probably very little uh, profit or income out of that. So so thank you. Very
5: well, I, much. you're welcome, and and I I have to say thank you to you as a fan, to to Mike as a fan. To, to anyone who's ever listened to us that are fans um because it's 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 always been the fans that that dave and i have have had that Danny and I have had <clears throat> have always literally been probably some of the the best fans in the world because uh they're just amazing people um every one of them that we've met and talked to have just been simply amazing um and, and i I've loved like I told Carrie, like I, I've loved this adventure. I've loved doing what I did for almost 14 years. I've enjoyed it. But just like when I was in the ring wrestling and I thought, you know, especially after hurting myself, ripping my ACL out of my, my, my knee. Um, and then coming back and wrestling a couple times, I figured, you know, wrestling, it's time to step away from this and do something else. Just like with wrestling, it's time for me to step away from being a toy YouTuber and, go moving on to something else honestly it's just it's just time to continue the journey forward
4: absolutely and devall will be back on toycast because just because because hello because we have <laughs> display cases and all kinds of stuff and like we said he's not getting rid of everything and i'm sure he'll be buying some more stuff at some point
5: yeah but and- you know it's 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 strange though that the 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 pile of stuff that i'm keeping looks really big but it's because I've got it in I've, – I've been using these paper boxes we get from mm-hmm. work that are – you know, they, they hold 10 rooms of papers. They're big boxes. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got those loaded up with a bunch of stuff, and they're stacked up against the wall. And you look at it and go, man, that's a lot of shit. And <laughs> they go, Actually, it's not because you look at it mm-hmm. and go – Well, those two boxes all have modern Transformers in them, and that's like one shelf worth, so it's really not (laughs) a lot of
4: stuff. Yeah, no, it's not. And uh, the reason why I will never, ever get rid of Duvall, and it was only a scheduling conflict that Duvall did not appear with Dave on episode 100 because my plan was to have you both on the same clip.
5: Yes, yeah.
4: But anyway. Let's uh, be fair. That would have been a five-hour episode. (laughs) Yeah, in of, it, in of itself, yes, that would have been the longest podcast because at this point that would have been ten hours. So I believe it was our second or third GCRN award show that uh, Toy World Order won for podcast or YouTube
5: or whatever. And I love that you still have that banner up. <laughs> oh, <yeah>, absolutely, uh,
6: <laughs>
5: that was that was fun because uh, I remember, I remember winning that. I remember so many people on your forums were like. Who the hell are these guys and why did they win? And it's literally because we told everyone to that listened to us and that watched us, go vote for us. And they did. Everybody went and voted for us. Hey, guys. Deval here from ToyWorldOrder.com. You know, recently we won an amazing award. We won the Geekast Radio Network's uh, Best uh, Favorite YouTube Series. Uh, and it was a fan-based thing, and the fans really came out and voted for us as best YouTube series. So uh, thank you to all the fans. It was a great award. We were super honored.
1: We'll <laughs> <clears throat> success has many fathers, but failure is an orphan. An orphan named son. Wait, what? I would like to... What, what do you video. got? What do you but Give me is what, is my is.
5: My what is this? What is this. A list of people to think. Your list of people to, my, my, my,
1: my to think. My most, most, people list.
5: The scroll is tied. So it's
1: just. Oh, tied okay.
5: okay. oh my god. Really?
1: Look for our successful little fathers that do not understand. Thank you for blocking my life. Holy crap! Is the paper too difficult for you to You
5: stop. It goes all the way to the floor. Me thank list.
1: Me thank list.
5: With a little with a little, a little puppet to ball, yay me there in the corner.
1: With my Superman set and my new one.
5: And me, with, it says, girl, me mean? Yes, you are. Glad Oh, is that the Pickle Man? Oh, That is the Pickle Man! <laughs> the Pickle Man! Why is the fire here telling me I'm stupid? Because you stupid? Puppet Duvall would like to thank... Yes! Conway Twitty, no, yes. no interrupt?
1: Yes, we do! You like but thank you for not interrupting my speech.
5: It's not, not Conway Twitty. If you
1: love her so much, you should have put a ring on
5: it's it. Con- it's not Kanye West, not Conway Twitty, but I guess no, you're... Well, I don't
1: know what do in private.
5: I guess you're close. The Academy of the Internets.
1: I'm Scientologist. Thank you for this prestigious reward.
5: The fans. Yes. And then, in parentheses, ask for money. No, we'll see. <laughs> What is dirt dirt? Daidis? He
1: is the oh. second most talented <laughs> member of this ensemble. Not quite as talented as me, but a very talented young man who brings a lot to this this group.
4: He's a dog.
1: Zarudas. Zarudas is a girl.
5: Oh, fair enough.
1: That's like royalty.
5: What? What is this? What, what is this, Mike? blood jam. Mike <laughs> Bl- Mike Blanchard. Sure, why not? You owe him... He owes you food? Yeah, he owes it! You said winner, winner, puppy dinner! I won! Where is my Jimmy Blanchmange? I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. The Pickle Man? But, but
1: yes. We may not get along personally, but I respect his professionalism. And his money.
5: John or Leonard?
1: Yeah! this got turned. What is up with that? Very Shoot John. Or, is job?
5: or is it Leonard? Band-Aid and Gerald?
1: Yeah, they've been with us from the start, but then they left. And they were a big part of this 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 website before, before I came along and helped kill me, you guys. So, thank you very much.
5: You'd like to thank Stephen.
1: Steve! this is my best friend.
5: I don't even know who Steve is. This
1: is my best friend.
5: I don't... Firehair...
1: Yes, She's of the heart of the team. Fair enough. And she hasn't killed me yet.
5: No, she has not. Uh, number eleven on your list is Google. Google sock.
1: Oh, Google, Google sock.
5: Google. Googly. No, oh, Google no, guy. I don't know who
1: this is because he looks just like me, but sometimes he stands in as my stunt double. He's number... a good kid.
5: Nope, not number... a hard life. Number 12 is Pappy. he would like to thank Pappy DuVall.
1: Uh, yeah, hold
5: on. He'd like to thank Mike Isis' Nonzi. That's not
1: a very really nice thing to sell.
5: That's how you spelled it. He would like to thank the losers.
1: Yes I would! I would like to thank the losers! I would like to thank... Rap
5: Battle Trailer Park and Bowling?
1: Boom, boom! I run! You lost! Go home, son! Her, her, her about he,
5: anyway. he would like to Jeez, thank... I'm he, an nerd he like
1: boy. Al Gore,
5: cause him invent YouTube.
1: Him the, oh, oh, the, the
5: You'd like to thank Bigfoot? Yep. Elvis. Because hung up with Bigfoot. I'm surprised <laughs> Patrick Soprano.
1: Because we we're live in Columbus.
5: It's Patrick Sinatra. The I Pete, but no other Pete.
1: Yeah, who knows what he did? The one Pete, but not the other Pete.
5: The one Pete. None
1: of kids will get it.
5: Pretty Lady from Toy Man.
1: Ba-da-da-da-da. I don't have a chance.
5: You don't have a shot. No, not a shot. You, Batman. You
1: don't know. Batman! <sighs>
5: This is the pickled man with his pickled pic- pickle money. Pickle
1: uh,
5: apparently, Puppet DeVolve with a cape fighting the Incredible Hulk.
1: No, it an epic fight. Uh,
5: you riding on top of a dinosaur with me saying stop having fun and apparently farting? No, those or
1: is those are those that those grass? Those grass. Cheese. Mm. Uh. Take note, Black Manta, I like cheese.
5: And then apparently you and Bigfoot throwing poop at me. Peeple girl, peeple girl. Uh, and then... Uh, you, a bunch of flags, me, Bigfoot, and Pickle Man, and then it says games six and kids.
1: Six flags.
5: Oh, six flags. Yes, oh, there are six flags there. You... Uh, there's a lot of names on this list. There are
1: a lot of names on the list. A lot of people have to skip where we are.
5: Number 128 is Russell K. Because he starts every kiss. That's, that's every kiss begins with. Never mind. Robert Hardefill, RJ Smith, Rafael Padilla, Quincy Elementary, Watson MD. I, I'm not reading this list anymore. I'm not. Matt Booze with a ghost that says Boo.
1: At least you got
5: Matt Booze's name right.
1: Hello? Really rude for me to let his name wrong.
5: You think Kaboom! Nerdnator? Yep. No. You think John Solo and he's got He's got his
1: little Undertaker hat on and scary bots flying all around and his asking can to fill
5: Because John Solo apparently likes depression and darkness.
1: No, because from Fantasm.
5: Gary Godso, no. David Williams. Sure, I'm. David Prank Mantis Gilman.
1: No, nope,
5: Chris Creepo. <laughs> me. Monk. Oh. Monk. Monk, yes, yes. Count Brian Orlack.
1: No, he he was a vampire. vampire awesome.
5: Andrew Mortimer, who is apparently a foreign devil.
1: Yes. I would love you
5: anyway. Benjamin Scott Spencer, Beau Clay, Bob Gilmer. Some of these names you got right. Bob Thorne, I'm very impressed. Alex McKay. Mm-kay. Okay. Paul. Uh, Andrea Bree. If that's your real name.
1: I'm not so sure.
5: Will I am Bruce West. Who's Pure West?
1: Pure West.
5: The empty chair.
1: Yeah, that's not the countless
5: worlds the oh, one the one that's a guy
1: and the one that's a, you uh, thinked, a band
5: You thanked the Geico Gecko, yes. Gordon Gecko, yes. and Gorilla Grot all in a row, and then Clyde the Monkey. Who's Clyde the Monkey? Is that from That's the guy from Android Thurs? I know. And that's from right Dunitunky World. Yang, thank you very much for voting us Best YouTube Series in Geek Ass Radio Network's second annual awards. Um, we appreciate it very much. Um, and thank you from the bottom yes, of my heart. What? You,
1: you, you, didn't, you forgot a name.
6: I forgot a name.
1: I saved the best for last. Yes. You, my friend, the best for last.
6: Oh, is it really on
1: there? I yes, see Mr. Sue, don't
5: He did. You know, I wasn't so much worried that I wasn't on the list, but when I'm on the list as the, that other guy... <laughs> that hurts!
1: Aww.
5: Not only did you think someone below, below me... This,
1: you, think,
5: you thanked Osama Bin Laden, <laughs> and then you thanked that guy... The and ones, then you think me. The big
1: fat guy who hangs around.
5: And oh, but then he's always
1: you, like, I love Star Wars! Zoom, zoom! Pachoo, pachoo! is there! Derp, derp, derp! I have a dog! Nobody will ever love me! I will die alone in the cutter with my Star Wars toys! Zoom, zoom! Pachoo, pachoo! Why? I'm in the suit.
5: I should be. I guess I should be grateful, but... I don't know what to feel at this point, gang. Thank you very much for voting us best YouTube series. We appreciate it, and here's to another year of ridiculousness because that is what happens here, as you can we
6: see.
1: I'm
5: gonna go burn. We to Thanks, guys.
1: Thank we you. appreciate it. We love you. You
5: thanked Osama Bin Laden before you thanked me. Real. was time out of the year! And it was the greatest thing because all these people were like, I've never heard of these guys. <laughs> if you've never heard of Jason Duvall, Dave Draper, uh, not necessarily to a lesser extent,
4: but Pixel Dan, man... You need to do some internet researching, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, thank you, Duvall. And the thank other you thing, yeah. you know, the the other quick thing before I run through the outro because my memory is I'm old, people. I'm really old. I'm not Draper old, but I'm old. <laughs> uh, Ooh. My Ooh. lovely ex-wife and I, I have to refer to her like that just in case the Social Security Administration is listening, That sounds suspicious at all. No, it doesn't. But hey, at least, you know, I said it correctly. Uh, We had the chance because we were going through uh, Springfield because we, at the time, we were living up in Gurney, Illinois, we were going through Springfield to get to Missouri, or Misery, as most people that aren't from that state would call it. Uh, And we said, hey, we're going to be in Springfield. I'm like, I know like seven people in Springfield. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, hey, so. Duvall came out and had dinner with us that night, so that was awesome. Mm. Just a fun old time. Thank you for joining us here on ToyCast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show, there are several ways to do so. Visit the website geekcastradio.com where you can listen to and comment on all of our content. Send any email to feedback at geekcastradio.com. Here are all the ways you can listen to us nowadays, Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and any other place you consume your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Geekcast Radio is the network. Twitter at TF Toycast is for the show. I am at TF2 and Mike. Josh is at FloorBurger553. Duvall, what is your Twitter?
5: Uh, you can find me at on Twitter at PuppetDuvall.
4: Become a fan on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash network. You can also check out TF ToyCast over there as well as joining the Toy World Order fan group. So do that if you're into toy collecting and having awesome discussions and people posting, oh, one movie must go or choose only (laughs) one or whatever. For now, I am tfg
2: and mike with... The Floor Burger... Mr. Josh.
5: Oh, me? That's me. Oh, uh, and Jason. Ball. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I edit this and it isn't
4: live. Join us next time when we will be talking more toys here on
7: Toycast. Hey,
1: you two, knock it
7: off! <laughs> Orco, what are you doing here?
1: Trying to sleep. Orco,
7: you've been asleep in the back seat
1: all this time. Yeah, I hope I didn't miss anything exciting.
4: The definitive story of Deval.
2: The Duvall definitive?
4: Uh, I think I like mine better.
2: <laughs> I, I, fine, uh, I digested. Josh has
4: got, it got a Green Day in his pants. Oh no! You know, I actually had to come up with when when we'll be talking more toys here on Toycast because I ended up stealing. Keep playing with your toys for like three episodes. No. I'm like yeah. I gotta come up with something else. <laughs> That's funny. See
1: you later.